0: Welcome to the 320th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes... Movies, TV shows, and comic books. My cat just like walked right in the room as I started this. And he's like, just giving me a look. I'm like I don't know what, what his his deal is. Maybe he needs some food. Uh, big big thanks, big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash jmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones here or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck. Which is an additional thirty minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I'm what am I still? I'm still doing, still talking about John Burns, X Men: The Hidden Years. So we're talking about about that series, and uh, I, I, you know what it's about. It's like taking place between the original X Men series and before Giant Size X Men. So while Marvel was doing was reprinting the old series there's no new X-Men story. So this was meant to be the lost adventures that they, because, you know, time in a Marvel Universe went by. So this is what happened in between. And it's really interesting because we've already had mention of of Phoenix, you know, years before that happened. So it's like, wait, what? But if you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash Gman from Heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That's ko-fi.com. Slash G Man from Heck. All right, this week. Oh my gosh, this week was going okay. The thing is just got all oh, crazy, all twisted. Oh my god! But the, actually, some things kind of worked out considering how bad things were. or Whatever. Uh, the main thing. So actually, let, let's uh, what what is this show about? And then I'll tell you about my. Uh, I was gonna say calamity. Um, the, the little trouble that that kind of started towards towards the end of the week. Movie feature. Is Taylor Swift era's tour, the era's tour, uh, the, the movie or based on a concert. You no, know, it might be weird. I know not everyone's into Taylor Swift. Obviously, I I am not ashamed to admit that uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a Taylor Swift fan. And, you know, we talked about the concert. You know, went to the concert with my daughter this last summer. We saw her, her reputation tour. And um, we're going to talk about the movie. Uh, and there was nothing else that opened this, this past weekend, I don't think. And no one wanted to open up because of the Taylor Swift movie, which, you know, that that kind of says something. So I definitely um, will have some things to say about that. And, and you know, even if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, I mean, there, there's still some things. it It's interesting to, to hear about just this whole how this whole thing works. So um, hopefully you'll, you won't you will just skip that if you're like, oh, Taylor Swift, whatever. But, you know, there are still some people out there who know, apparently, there's just so many people that are fans, you know, based off concert sales and ticket sales and all that but what else we have uh we also have more loki we have chucky the last episode of continental what about gen v tony you keep talking about gen v i started watching gen v and this this kind of goes into my little little dilemma so i come home friday I actually come home. I got home a little earlier because a lot of times I, I I stick around the classroom later, do some work. Sometimes I'll you know re- work on the podcast or whatever. You know, get things ready, look at you know, gather up news or whatever. Have the amazing art pics posts that I do on Entertainment Fish that you know go live for Saturday. I get home, internet's out, and I'm like, well, what's going on? It's like I'm like, did someone move the the modem, the router, whatever? And it's like, I'm looking at it because there's so many cords, you know, move things around and, and uh, you know, there's like the PlayStation, the Xbox, which I don't even know why I can't, I don't even, I haven't remember last time I played Xbox. Uh, you know, there's so many plugs there. I have like two cable receivers because, you know, from the two different TVs and, and not, so, so somehow I don't know what happened. I have no internet. I, I still, as I record this, I have no, no internet. And... I've tried, I'm looking at everything. It's like, okay, I believe everything is plugged in. You know, it doesn't look like there was an, an extra ethernet cord that's not plugged into anything, but I don't see where that would go into because there's an ethernet cord going to the receiver. And so I don't think it's that and everything's like, you know, whatever needs to be plugged into the wall is plugged into the wall. And so I'm just, you know, there, there's, and the <laughs> getting too technical, but it's like the broadband light is red. Um, and I've done the whole thing, you know, kill the power, you know, basically, you know, turn it off, turn it back on, you know, take the power off, let it sit, try hit, tried resetting and just everything like that. So nothing, couldn't get the internet to work on, on Friday. So that meant I couldn't do amazing art picks. And that also meant that I couldn't watch Gen V. I was just like, oh, man. So And, and also, I had a little bit, of, uh, I had, well, actually more than a little bit, I had, had most of Loki to watch too. So I'm just like I have all this stuff and I was like what am I going to do? And it's like yeah, okay, well we're in the age of smartphones and that what about your 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 phone? Unfortunately, my where I live, I don't have the best cell service with with my internet provider or my cell provider whatever, my telephone provider. It's a you know, I I do have access to the internet through my phone. It's not that great. Like when I was trying to watch some of the trailers to talk about the news, I felt like I was back in 1997, you know, it's like, you know, trying to watch an invincible trailer. Uh, it's just like starting and then stopping and start, I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> so I downloaded the Loki episode, uh, on the, the Disney plus app. And then it's like, okay, yeah, I could do that with, with, uh, Gen V and everything. But you know, I'm going to be perfectly honest. So I didn't finish the first episode and while I, I well, yeah, I'll just save that. So basically, I, I, I didn't finish the first episode. I will talk a little bit about the first episode, at least from what I saw. And I don't know if I'm going to pick it up or if, if if I feel like it's just it's getting to be too late at this point. You know, there's so many and I'm just so far behind and I don't know. So we'll, we'll see about that. So let, let's get into the news. So there's also it was a New York Comic Con this uh, past weekend and... I, I think the last time I went was like 2016 and that always bums me out because you know I I always enjoyed that show but it's just a matter of cost and, and all, all that stuff. So I I I didn't go obviously. And there's a, a lot I maybe I'll just start with the comic news, even though I usually do that at the end. Uh, Marvel had a lot of news and Marvel is is great at sending out press releases. I I, I will say that. So uh, one thing is Ultimate Universe. <laughs> You know, I, I I hope people are excited for this. I'm not super excited for this, and I'm sure it's going to be cool. The the one part of me is like, you know, why are we doing this? You know, we we had the Ultimate Universe, and then Ultimate Universe went away. You know, Ultimate Universe was cool. You know, don't get me wrong, I I really enjoyed it, and this this could be e- equally as cool. But part of me kind of feels like, why you know, why are we doing this? You know, we we have the Marvel Universe. It's like, do we really need another? continuity and i know it's a way to kind of start fresh and not have like years and years of history but it would almost seem like if you're going to do that you know just just reboot the whole universe which i absolutely 1000 percent do not want that to happen so it just seems weird i mean i guess it's, it's kind of like the best of both worlds because you know you have the long-running existing classic universe that we all love but we also have a chance to kind of do things differently and and it's not like they're going to go back to 1963 and just you know retell the the stories but put maybe a glossier you know coat of paint on it it could be a chance to do something a little different. Like when we had strangely, so bizarrely Peter Parker dating Kitty pride, the fact that they were like the same age in ultimate universe was so bizarre, but you, you could do something like that where it's, it's totally different where you can kind of take elements of, you know, the different characters and stuff and just jumble it all up and, and, you know, do what, what you want with that. And, so that, that's kind of the neat thing, and, you know, maybe we'll, we'll get that, so, you know, Ultimate Spider-Man, that's supposed to come out in, I believe, January, that's gonna be Jonathan Hickman and Marco Cecchetto, and, you know, I always say I have, like, like so much respect for Jonathan Hickman as a, a creative writer, I mean, I, I just think he's, his writing is just so, you know, it's, it, it's not that it's complex, but it is de- deeply layered, and, and you know, there, there's a lot to it, and, it's always like whenever I see his name, I feel like, like oh, this is going to be a really good book. You know, just, just without even giving it a second thought. It's just kind of a given. So it'll be interesting to see, like, what the heck is he going to, you know, what's he bringing to Spider Man? I'm so curious about that. So even though I, I'm not super crazy about here we go again, I, I can't wait to see what he's going to do with that. But Marvel also now said in February, we're going to get Ultimate Black Panther. Mm. I mean, I'm not reading the current Black Panther, and I, I think what threw me off, I'm going to be perfectly honest is that space Black Panther stuff which I was so confused, like what the heck is going on, and then I just kind of dropped off, and then I felt like I just got so behind and then, so it's like, I don't even I still don't know if that was in the main continuity or not, because it's like that the Wakandan empire, intergalactic empire something, and I'm like, what is happening? What are those? <laughs> What's going on? and uh yeah so I, I i still don't know what the answer and I, I guess i don't really need to know the answer was that the same continuity was it not was it because it was like was this t'challa or is this like some alternate whatever coincidental space t'challa i i, I kind of don't want to know right whatever uh so we have that it's gonna be brian hill and stefano caselli so we got a good a uh, good good writing or a good creative team there and in march we'll get ultimate x-men by peach momoko so i'm, I'm curious about that because you know peach momoko did those uh um, where were they? Those like samurai, like I don't know what to say. Samurai They weren't all samurai, but it was like kind of like uh, kind of like, like Japanese stories, like like stuff that would be like. I mean, her art is just so so pretty, so so amazing, and it's something that would be like on an old you know scroll or something. And but we'll we'll see. Uh, I mean, I really don't know what the. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, and they're all supposed to be ongoing series. So it's not like just like here's do some miniseries, test the water. So okay, we'll, we'll see about that. There was a, a I didn't actually watch this because of my my internet, but they they put out a trailer for Gods G O D S. Uh, the first issue I'm I'm intrigued with the first issue that came out. It was last week, and this trailer is supposed to show like things to come, like their involvement and all that. I don't know how if I mean I I wasn't. Blown away by that first issue. I am curious. So I mean, maybe the trailer could could have sold me more, but I didn't watch that. There's also going to (laughs) be Avengers Twilight, and of course, you know, silly me. You know, the first thing I'm thinking about is you know Edward, Jacob, and Bella, Bella. (laughs) Uh, But it has nothing do has nothing to do with vampires or werewolves or or anything like that. No no breaking dawn or Um, was it moon, blue, blue, moon? What was the moon one? It's the second movie. was it blue moon, 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 night, moon, moon, moon night? No. Um, oh, now full moon? No. Night. This is driving me crazy. It is so stupid. Anyways, um, what was it? Breaking, Breaking Dawn, Edge, I can't even think. I don't even know. I think Breaking Dawn was the fourth one. I don't even know what the third, was there only... Was there three and then four movies? Whatever. This is not what we're here for. So (laughs) Chip Zdarsky uh, is doing Avengers Twilight. Uh, Daniel Acuna is doing the art. And this is six issues. It's coming out in January 2024. It's supposed to be like a kind of like a future story. It's like, oh, yeah, we've seen that a million times, right? But it's supposed to be a little different. And, you know, one of the things is like Captain America No More. It's like, what? But Captain America's still there, and I, I guess just things have changed, and Captain America's just you know there's no room for him. he's just like I I'm not Captain, I can't be Captain America, and so we'll we'll see what that's gonna evolve and and how it'll be different from you know just like the regular stories that we we've seen. So Magneto died in an x-men x-men red series so i didn't even see his death but i remember uh so this is like when they're on mars or, or rocco or whatever they're, they're calling that place and some of them like i know storm and magneto they're like all right you know you, you we're supposed to be un, unstoppable whatever because we can die and, and just be brought back i'm going to destroy my cerebral memory matrix whatever thing I'm living on the edge with Aerosmith. And, uh, and then he ended up dying. He's Or sacrificed himself or something like that. And he's been dead. But he's coming back. There's going to do an X-Men or Magneto Resurrection 2024. It's supposed to be four parts. Uh, Al Ewing and Luciano uh, Vecchio or something like that. I, I think that's what it was. And um, all right, we'll see. I mean, you got to have Magneto. It's It it's just it doesn't make sense not to have Magneto. There is also uh, some stuff. I think this might be coming in like Fall of the House of X and there's Rise of the Power of X. I I, I don't know what's going on with that. So a lot of Marvel stuff, which is cool. Um, As far as DC, I thought there was something DC. I did not get any press releases from DC. So I'm not (laughs) really sure. But I remember there, there, I I thought I I saw something. Um, I can't think of anything. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to remember it as soon as I'm done recording. Um, one thing I guess I should mention is it's sort of DC, but not really. Uh, Keith Giffen, unfortunately, sadly passed away. Seven years old. Uh, you know, Keith Giffen did, did Lobo, uh, rock Raccoons, lot, lots of stuff. So, I mean, it's always sad. It's sad when anyone, you know, passes. But, you know, it's just like such a such a legend. And um, he he's someone that I never had a chance to talk to or interview or anything like that. So... So um, that's sad, and uh, you know we should celebrate his life. And hopefully, he was with family and friends, you know, at the at the end. Other comic news: uh, Ghost Machine, big huge announcement. So Jeff Johns, um, Brad Meltzer, Francis Manipal, Peter Tomasi, Jason Fabik, uh Gary Frank, Brian Hitch. Uh, so all these creators are basically doing. Like a comic company, basically, or a comic imprint, whatever. They're going to be going, being published through Image, which which is cool, because uh, I I really I really like Image. I really like how Image runs things, and but the main idea is that you know these are, it's all about the rights, creator rights. You know they're, they're doing these different universes, and you know they're going to own everything, and you know whatever merchandise and all that. So I I I can't wait to see what, what's going to happen, and you know you have all these massive names which is you know always impressive i, I guess the idea is you know they're going to finish up whatever projects they may be doing and they're supposed to be exclusive to this so i just find that interesting uh because you know it's like what does that mean for jeff johns you know is jeff is johns not going to be doing dc stuff anymore because you know he's he's kind of moved away from that and you know dc's been under so many restructuring things it's like i don't even know you know what, what what's happening there but I, I mean, Justice Side of America, I love Jeff John's work on there. And I've never been like a huge fan of the characters. And whenever they pop up before, like that, it's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. But there's something, I don't know what it is. i, I I'm not just like kissing Jeff John's butt or whatever, but there's something about when he writes those characters, because, you know, it was the, his run on, on the other Justice Side of America series. I mean, that's, I, I got into it even though I was like, I don't care about these characters but I'm I'm loving this book and you know he made me care about the characters and you know just like that that Star Girl series we have it's like ugh. Oh, so I always hope whenever you know they they you do stuff like this you know when when create and I'm all for it, you know it's like yeah this is awesome creators can do their own thing creator rights and oh, that's just great they can create stuff for themselves own everything and you know that that's you know it should be like that but at the same time it's like you you want these awesome creators working on your favorite characters and uh you know so it's it's just like when you say exclusive it's like i hope that they would still occasionally maybe come back and do something every now and then with with you know because we we love that too i you you know having jeff johns write geiger and um g robot joe what was that that i feel like that's not it um those are, are cool and everything but it's like you know, I, I would love for him to do another Stargirl series. And so we have that. And even like like Scott Snyder. Uh, was Scott Snyder doing something back at DC? Or maybe, I don't know if that was a rumor. If I don't know if there's any truth to that. Doing something. Um, I don't know. Speaking of, of Scott Snyder. So Scott Snyder, Frank Teary, um, artist Ryan Smallman. They are going to be working with Tom Hardy. The, the guy who played Burn. Uh, so Tom Hardy is going to be the creative collaborator, as I think it's called Arcbound, and it's it's like a twelve issue series at least in, in the beginning. Um, okay, I I I am not sure what what to think of this. I mean, Tom Hardy's a you know cool actor and all that. Maybe he has some really really cool ideas too. You know, it's this reminds me of like the Keanu Reeves, you know, um, Fabian Natchezia and. Uh, ron garney you know doing Bers- berserker where you know it, it could, i i'm assuming i don't know exactly the full details full extent to it but i'm assuming with with berserker that you know keanu reeves had some ideas you know he's like hey i, I got this idea for this character this is what he can do and stuff like that but he's an actor you know he's not a writer you know he, well you know he, keanu reeves he's a musician does he write music probably um but you know, there's one thing you can be a writer, but writing comic, writing story, writing dialogue to me, I, I can't imagine that. So it could just be like, hey, I got these ideas, but also you know he's a busy guy, you know he doesn't have time to sit in front of a computer and you know write out scripts, you know for you know however many issues and all that. So they, that's where the collaborative part works, and and I'm assuming that that's like the same thing with Tom Hardy. Maybe he has these ideas, and then you know just bouncing ideas with you know Scott Snyder and Frank Terry. and it's like, well, and then. You know, he could say, well, I, I was thinking about this, and then he might be like, yeah, then we could do this, and we could do this. And so well, I have to stay tuned to see how, how that's going to go. So that, that that's cool. Invincible Season 2 trailer came out, <laughs> I mentioned earlier. I'm trying to watch that thing. <laughs> it, it, was, it was something. I was like, just gritting my teeth, just trying not to lose my mind. So that's coming out November 3rd. And, you know, like a, a big thing, Mark, you know, he's invincible. He's wondering, like, am I going to turn into my dad? You know, am I going to, like, lose it? And so there's a, a lot, a lot of cool stuff in, in that that trailer. So we have that to look forward to. <laughs> I saw, <laughs> actually, I saved this for later. Um, Aquaman 2. Uh, there's a lot of, I, I, I'm not going to go into full details about this. There's just, like, a lot of, like, well, maybe this or maybe that and, and stuff. Because like, uh, so, well, maybe I will go into some of it. But supposedly, Jason Momoa was like dressing up as Johnny Depp, and, and see, this is where I'm not. This are all these rumors, and you never know what, what what to believe. But supposedly, he was like doing this. I think he was trying to get, what's her name, like fired. But then there's other reports that he was like he had her back, and he's like trying to protect her, um, Amber Heard. Uh, so it's just i don't know or but there's reports that he was showing up the set drunk he's like is he like preparing because aquaman's sometimes drunk what's going on but then there's also you know reports that there's like 20 scenes that were cut and i i don't even know um, i just hope the movie is is, is good because yeah it, it's just that that's that's i it's just such a bummer and you know things the way way they're being handled or what, and the way how people are like not gonna want to see it because, you know w- whatever, Um, Merry Little Batman. So there's a, I think it was just like a a, like a poster like a t- image that was released for that. So that's it's like a DC animated holiday special thing. It's gonna be on Prime through that weird thing with all the as I mentioned the restructuring at DC or Warner Brothers, Max, whatever. So Prime is going to be releasing that. And I didn't look super closely, but at first it it almost looks like Batman is running next to like Batmite, but apparently it's supposed to be Damien. But it's like, is Damien like, like three years old? Cause I I don't know. Like I said, maybe I just need to get a better, a, a closer look, look at that image. So hopefully that'll be, um, be, be cool. Uh, so here's the thing. I, I feel ridiculous, and I don't know if anyone caught it. If, if you, you knew the full details, there was a trailer for Werewolf by Night, the the colored colorization, colored version. But it's like, wait. I, I, at first, I'm like, why is there a trailer? Is like, isn't this already out? Because I've talked, I I've, know, I've, I think I've talked about it like twice. Apparently, it's not out yet. It's coming out on October 20th. So you know, I I'm so curious about this. And I guess that also makes sense, you know. As I've been watching, ah- Ahsoka and now Loki, you know. Whenever you go onto the Disney app, you know, at the top the, the banner is like the whatever hot trending sh- new show, you know, flips through there, rotates on there. And I've never seen it. I'm sure, even though Werewolf by Night came out a year ago, but this is a new version. You know, they're going to try promoting it probably, you know. And I've never seen it there before, and that's because it hasn't come out yet. So I I feel kind of kind of silly about that. So I I'm I do really want to watch that. So hopefully I will somehow find time to to watch that. Um, And then uh, Hollywood Reporter. So you know I don't not really sure what to make about this, but they're talking about like Disney Plus and Marvel shows, and apparently they want to start focusing on serialized television instead of doing limited series. Which is like, um, yeah, uh, because, you know, they've they've had, I guess, nine shows now. And Loki is the only show that's had a second season, which is kind of nuts if you think about that. You know, yeah, uh, What If is getting a second season, but that's animated. And I'm sure some people don't count that as, as the same. But nothing else, and you know, She Hulk is is rumored, supposedly maybe possibly getting a second season. I don't think that's official, but nothing else is is getting a season two. And you know, I would love, obviously, a Moon Knight season two and Hawkeye season two, and you know, just just like a lot of stuff. And it's it's weird that we haven't. So it'll be cool to, to get like season one, season two. You know, just to have have the characters keep coming back. But at the same time, I I love that we had Wandavision and. That we had Moon Knight and Ms. Marvel, I I kind of I feel like if we just do like serialized television, you know, depending how they, they they do it, like let's say they do okay, we're gonna do a Ms. Marvel ongoing, you know, show, you know, you to it season one, two, two, three, whatever, but then we're not gonna, you know, then that means we're not gonna get like Moon Knight or some other, you know, Brother Voodoo, which I don't want, really want Brother Voodoo, but I'd watch it you know we're we're not going to get these other characters that get their own shows because it's like oh no we're only doing something that's probably going to last that's going to have more than one season they could do guest stars i mean maybe that that would be a way you know let, let's let's bring in whoever and see what the reaction is but i think that just seems kind of risky cuz you know you're if you're in a cast someone as a guest star you want to you know you want to do the casting right because if you're going to bring in someone who hasn't appeared yet you know you you there's opportunity there so you're going to cast someone try to get some really cool actor to do the role and then maybe not do anything else with them and then it's like well you know now we can't use that actor in something else i don't know we'll see I don't know. I, I really don't know how I feel about that. Um, speaking of, of other shows, Daredevil, Daredevil Reborn, apparently, record scratch. They're they're like, yeah, we're we're throwing all this away. Apparently, the writers were like let go, and and the unfortunate is like writer strikes over. Guess what? <laughs> don't 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 come in on Monday because we're we don't like the scripts. They're, this this is just really not not what we want to do we're just going to start over so even though they've you know they've filmed stuff already they have stuff they're just they're starting over I, th- I think they it was said that they might still use you know be able to use some footage but they just have to start over and which is i how is that going to work because if you're letting go to writers and then you still use that stuff then you know you're still going to have to credit them Paid them, which maybe they're like, w- that's fine, you know. We're, we're or maybe they were already. Pay- I don't know how that would work, you know. They they would still have to get some acknowledgement and stuff like that. But apparently, it's just like, yeah, this is working because I think the rumor was Matt Murdock that, or you know he, Daredevil doesn't show up in costume until the fourth episode, and it's like, wait, what? That that's you know you should have him at least by the you know at the very least second episode, you know, if the first episode is going to be a buildup or whatever. So that just seems weird, but. Uh, I don't know. Uh, then uh, there's a trailer for Scott Pilgrim takes off. When did they add that takes off? I don't. I think that was a new thing. Was that just just now? They just added that. Because I got I got the press release. You know, new trailer and the trailer looks amazing. And I'm so I'm so impressed. It just stuff. I mean, if you think about it, they got like the entire cast the live action movie to come back and you know do voice work and it's not it's not like they're just taking they're not lifting the audio from the movie and adding it to the animated because you know it's things are different this is not a straight up adaptation you know this there's gonna be it's the same basic premise but there's gonna be lots of tweaks here and there and just it's just crazy it's so cool that they got everyone back so i I'm, i'm really looking forward to that so you can check out that trailer if you want I actually watched it, even though usually by this point I was like, "Yeah, I don't need to see another trailer." But yeah, so so that that's gonna be cool. Um, that comes out on November seventeenth, and you know, um, so this is kind of cool that we're 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 getting um, more shows since I'm kind of running out of shows. And if I don't do Gen B, we'll see that. Uh, it's always oh, about Invincible. I uh, I think it said again because of my my internet. I think the first season might be split or something like that. I could be wrong. I hope they're not dropping like half the season at once and then the other half. But what I do know is they said that it's not going to be as long of a wait between season two and season three. Because, you know, with season one and season two, it was a longer wait. So they're apparently already working on season three, which is cool. So we we have that. And then uh, the last bit of news, which I, I should have mentioned earlier, but a rumor... Supposedly, uh, (laughs) it's like who even how you hear about Jason Momoa is possibly being uh, announcement of being cast as Lobo sometime in twenty twenty four. They're gonna announce that. It's like (laughs) okay. It's like your sources tell you yeah we're gonna wait till twenty twenty four to know. Which I mean I guess if you think about it, it's like okay let's uh let's get people to watch Aquaman and then maybe let's wait till. Blu-ray, you know, home sales, whatever, and then it's like, okay, guess what? Uh, Jason Momoa is not going to be Aquaman anymore. Um, you know, we said maybe there's a possibility to come back. Nope, 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 nope. He's not going to happen. He's going to be Lobo. I guess that may would make sense. You know, from a business strategy, you know, whatever, because you want people to go see Aquaman. I want people to go see Aquaman. You know, people should, and it it doesn't matter if there's never another movie because when you watch things you know you don't it's not always guaranteed that there's there's a sequel like the creator that movie that i talked about 2 weeks ago there's no plans for a sequel and it, by knowing that does that mean you're not going to go see it that that's just that's silly you know because sometimes the story is just a story and and then if there's enough demand or interest then maybe there will be one so yeah we'll, we'll see, see about that Oh, and then there's also, I saw on Facebook, I don't remember who, what it came up. I think it was like a sponsored thing, not something I followed. But there's a, a supposed rumor is that Warner Brothers might be sold again. It was like, wait, really? I don't even know what's going on. And that the, there's a possibility that the DCU, to the James Gunn's visions whatever, could be thrown into a, a whatever, a loop, a blender, I don't know. But. Yeah, so there's that's it. <laughs> that's gonna be news for the week. All right, with comic books, uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't, I didn't. Now I have an excuse this time because of the internet. It was hard for me to read everything, but I, I think I, I, read most stuff. I mean, luckily there wasn't a whole lot. It fe- felt like it was a little light, and uh, I don't know if it's because of Comic Con or whatever. But at Image, there was a Creep Show Volume Two Number Two, and. It's not my favorite comic. I'm gonna be honest with you and and it's a whole horror comic you know horror horror genre as comics i feel like it doesn't always work. The first story i I did read because it was written and drawn by Michael Walsh, and i absolutely I love Michael Walsh's art. I love his writing, and i he's such a super cool, nice guy, which that always makes it. Uh, more even more enjoyable you know it shouldn't matter what well, it does matter but just the fact that you know he's he's so such so kind so so nice and uh i i just i i i love the fact that i've had the chance to talk to him and and uh, even the fact that like he's done he did uh amazing or, or mystery mystery art, mystery art what what is the c mystery amazing Oh man, uh, how am I totally forgetting the the whole drawing thing I used to do? It's it's been a long week. Mystery art challenge. Anyways, <laughs> um, so yeah, he did a it, was a cre- it is a creepy story. It, let's just say that. And then I started reading the second one. and I'm just like, eh, I don't I don't really I don't really feel like reading another horror. St-. I think the second story was by Dan Waters, and I I just I got a couple pages and didn't finish that. <laughs> See Dark Ride Volume 2 came out. You should read that. Then there's a a bunch of other stuff. Like uh, Destiny Gate number one came out. I didn't read that. I'm a little confused here, because Fishflies number two came out. I already talked about Fish Flies No. 2. I already read Fish Flies Number 2. I don't know that I read it early, earlier than I was supposed to. I it's it's a great series, and and i I feel like I already talked about it, and it's just. It's a uh, I and I I'm always hesitant like how much I should talk about it. like I don't know what spoilers and I don't remember what, at this point I don't remember what the cover looks like but it, it's written drawn by Jeff Lemire so you, you should definitely be reading that haunt you to the end number five came out uh, this is a book at um, at uh, top for, through Top Cow Image and um uh, you know here's the thing as as I'm limited on and struggling to get any information from anywhere it felt like this was like the last issue and I could be wrong. I don't, I don't know, but this was an interesting series. You know, I talked about it's, it's kind of near future. You know, there's a climate change economy, weird stuff. And then this, this rich dude wants to go to this Island. It's supposed to be haunted. And he brings this team like, you know, doctors and, you know, some mercenaries and this reporter guy to, you know, catalog, um, catalog, the report and stuff. And, um, but with this issue, you know, as as we're getting into like more like, is there any uh, supernatural stuff? Like, what's going on? I, I was kind of falling a little little off it, um, so I I don't know. Um, there's Haunted Girl issue one, so I, I was going to read that. I, I didn't get a chance to read that. Um, Kaya number twelve. This was a nice issue. It was it was almost like um, not really like a intermission or anything, but it, it's. It, it kind of felt like i'm not trying i, I don't i definitely it's not filler but it, it was like it you know it's it's sort of like a one-off like in between our next you know big grand adventures the main portion of it is dealing with a, the robot dude that was like you know causing problems and everything like that so it's interesting to see him like reporting back and, and the fact that he didn't um succeed in, in his mission and uh they're like, yeah, that's that's fine, but this is kind of like sort of your punishment if if you you know you don't finish the job type of thing. So that that was interesting, and then we do see Kaya and and you know her her brother, and uh, it's like almost like we're thrown into like, wait, what what are they running from? What is this? Where where? What sort of trouble have they been getting into? And then uh, how th- that was I, I enjoyed that how that was handled. Um, Midlife or how to hero at 50. So this is by Brian Bucciolato. and um, I, I, I enjoyed this. this is interesting. Um, and as, as Brian mentions in the the end, there's some similarities you know some some you can and you know just knowing him and depending on how how much you know about him you know because I think his Instagram's like public you know like there's some some of his his personal life is is out there so it, it for me you know being close to brian it was kind of it was kind of fun in a, in a way to see this so what the story is you know you have this dude he just turns 50 he's a firefighter and uh you know, think about retiring and you know because his dad was a firefighter his, his dad died in, in an accident you know in a fire and you know he's not sure if he really wants to do that or not and you know he's remarried and you know he's got a kid and and, and you know there's just like all this stuff he's got this older kid and a younger kid and um uh, so it's just a, a lot of a lot of interesting um character development stuff and you know because you're looking at this it's like well this doesn't feel like it's a necessarily like a, a superhero. Like, are there, there's no superpowers? It's just this is just a regular dude, right? But then you know what? what what's up with with the ti- with the title? How to hero at fifty? Is it just because like how firefighters are you know are heroes and police officers are heroes? And anything like that? Well, you know, de- definitely need to read this to see because there is a there is a surprise at at the end. Let's just say that. So I'm I'm, I'm can't wait to see where this series is going to go. Uh, Knight's number one. There's a, there's a lot of new issues that came out, and I, I just didn't get a a chance to to read those. Um, over at Marvel, uh, like I said, there wasn't a whole lot at Marvel, which was just kind of weird. Um, we did have Amazing Spider-Man. I I, just, I don't know what it is about Amazing Spider-Man. I mean, I'm just I'm I'm not loving it. But we have more, you know, on the Green Goblin stuff, and you know, uh, Spider-Man has been infected with the sins of Norman Osborn. He's just—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm trying. I'm not laughing. It's not funny. I am laughing. It's not funny. It's just—it's kind of ridiculous, and and just Spider-Man is being like a massive jerk because he's infected by this, and oh, and, and and basically he's going after mary jane's boyfriend because he's like oh you you should be with me type of thing which is like okay you're that's you know you're so petty or whatever yeah so it, it was okay uh then we have avengers issue six so this is like uh i th- pretty sure this is conclusion i'm trying to remember because i feel like it's been a while since i've read this uh the conclusion of this this first story arc and as I, I mentioned before, um, City Killers. I wasn't super crazy about all these other creatures, car- villains, and, and stuff like that. But it is kind of cool seeing how did the team gets together, and you know, or not together, but how they kind of rally themselves because you know they, they kind had split up because you know stuff's happening all over the world. So it's kind of cool with that. And uh, there is one massive outcome because you know it's always like, what's the point of this story arc? Is there gonna be anything you know? coming out of this and, and there is well t- i guess i'll probably talk about it more in the next issue but i'll, I'll just say without spoiling the things that they do end up with a new i guess new headquarters yeah so you know because where are they going where do they operate out of and so they're, they're gonna have somewhere new um blade issue four came out so i still haven't read the second issue and um someone tell me is this any good because you know blades i'm I'm just okay with blade. you know he's he's not my favorite character. you know I, I enjoyed Wesley Snipes you know in, in most of those movies. There's Captain Marvel. so this is assault on Eden when this came out when this came out this this just just came out. But with this, I'm like, okay, this is new number one. Uh, so written by Anthony Oliveria, um, art by Il- Eleonora, uh Carlini. And I'm like, is this a, is this a new, is this a new ongoing? Uh, because you know we we don't really have a Captain Marvel series anymore. So I'm like, is this? I guess I should read this because if this is the first one, I don't think I think this was just a one-off because you know with with the that the the subtitle whatever assault on Eden. And this was okay. It, it was it was a fine you know Captain Marvel story. I didn't love it. Uh, you know, but there's there's more stuff with. Uh, not more stuff but we, you know, we do see hulkling and wiccan in here and you know stuff with the the scrolls and the Cree and it was, it was just it was fine and then there's a moniker rambo uh backup story and it was weird because i was i was kind of skimming through it and it, it almost felt like it started like a new story but i guess i think it was the same story so that was fine then uh, cap, cap wolf and the Howling Commandos. Now, normally when I'm like, okay, I don't have a whole lot of time to read. And, you know, so I'm, I'm very choosy with what I'm going to read. And, you know, it's because I don't have a lot of time. And But I was like, I, I love Captain America. I kind of liked Cap Wolf, even though it was, it was pretty silly. And I was like, okay, I'll check this out. Uh, the, the main thing, what I thought this was going to be, I was thinking, is like okay, is this going back? Is this one of those stories where we jump back to a certain era in comics and tell another story? So like, you know, black suit Spider Man or um, like the the Hulk Maestro books, and I feel like there's something else I'm totally blanking on. It's not that. It's it's not like okay, so Cap Captain America was a werewolf for two issues or three issues. Here's another adventure to happen in between that we never told you about. <laughs> it's a it goes back to you know because howling commanders you got like nick fury you got you know it's back in in, during the war and i guess my my big question about this why isn't this a what if story you know because they're talking about how in this world captain america becomes a werewolf basically blah 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 or something like that so it, it's weird because they could have just called this what if and gone with it, but it's almost like they wanted to keep it separate. So I don't know. Because, like, if you call it what if, I guess there's a question of would that be a good or bad thing? You know, because if it's what if, you have that name brand. And some people might say, okay, this is cool. But on the other hand, if it's called what if, some people might dismiss it like, oh, this is an imaginary story. Because, like, you know, like, even for me, I, when I look at the cover and just, you know, even the name, I was like, oh, this is one of those kind of semi-retro adventure stories. Okay, uh, if it was a what-if, would I have still read it? Maybe, probably, most likely, because, again, it's Cat Wolf, and I, I, I think it's ridiculously interesting. Uh, so, yeah, it's, um, it, it's worth checking out. It, it was decent to, to see this different, you know, going back and, and seeing how... Captain America might turn into Werewolf during World War II. Uh, then there is Guardians of the Galaxy number seven. I didn't. I kind of skimmed through this. You know, I'm, I'm not loving this series. Guardians of the Galaxy are supposedly dead, or are they? You see, you got w- Wiccan and Hulkling on the cover here. <laughs> there is one part, and again, I don't know if it's just, uh, but there's a part, I think it was Hulkling. Uh, Wiccan, I think gets grabbed by some some. Uh, let's just say some creatures or something like that, and I think he's like, "Get your hands off my husband." It just it seems like the fact that they said husband, it's like they're saying, "Hey, just in case you weren't aware, these two characters are gay." Which you know, I I, I I'm I'm glad that they're. I'm not glad. I'm ha- why well, I'm glad, but I'm happy that they're married. I think that's awesome. The fact that. You could have two gay characters, two characters that are in love. I don't care if they're male, male, female, female, you know, male, well, I was gonna say male dog, probably shouldn't go there. But you know, you don't get character many characters that can actually get married in comics because they don't want to shake up the status quo, What you know. How come Spider-Man can't get married? Oh no, you can't have a married superhero. So I, I love the fact that we can have these two characters who are clearly in love, that they can be married. And and the fact that they're gay. That's even better because it's like we progress so much. You know, back in the days, you couldn't even have characters that were were gay or bisexual or anything because people like, oh, that's not real. That doesn't exist. We don't tolerate that. But when, but when you this you know, I I don't know. It just seems like like because like you never hear Reed Richards like get your hands off my wife when he's talking about Sue. I don't know. Maybe I'm just. You know, being silly about it. It's still elements of Groot, Grootness, Grootfall, all that. Uh, I don't know. Okay, then, <laughs> then there's DC Comics, and I didn't read anything from DC. So, um, full disclosure. I mean, let's be be perfectly honest here. So, I haven't been um, keeping up with DC as much. So, as as um, it's it's not a secret, but usually outlets. Um, get early access to comics. I mean, that's how, that's the only, it's like, it is a lifesaver. I mean, I cannot imagine, you know, especially with my day job, just trying to do everything, being like a one-man person, it's it's impossible to, to do everything. Because even when when I was doing Comic-Find, when that was my full-time job, I couldn't read all the comics. You know, like if, you know, Matt would read certain stuff and, and you know, Matt was reading Saga. He was reading, um, what was that other one that he, he really liked? uh the the Lewis and Clark um, is an image book, but anyways, and you know, uh, you know, uh, Greg would would read uh, <laughs> Ninja Turtles, and you know, so there there are certain things where you know, other I knew that they were going to read those those comics. So then when it came to comic talk on a podcast, they you know they, they could talk about those or like what Corey you know when he was on a podcast, you know he was he would read certain things. Um, so yeah, I I can't keep up with everything. And I'm trying to, so getting to read them early is, is amazing. Um, unfortunately with DC, I no longer am getting early access to them. I, I'm assuming part of it is because of whatever structural changes as, you know, image and Warner brothers and, or D- discovery, whatever, and all that. So like the person that I worked with before is no, is in a different position now and my, my early access isn't there anymore. And I don't know if they're looking at it like, well, who is this person here? You know, who is this Tony Garoga? I mean, I've been, I've been working with DC since 2010, if not earlier, you know, I've always had a great relationship with them. And I feel like I still do, um, at least with, you know, a couple of the other people that I, that I talked to, you know, and, uh, you know, there, 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 obviously there's been so many people that have come and gone and moved on to other things so yeah, I don't get that early X because I used to actually, often I would spend like Sunday afternoon, I would start reading some of the DC comics know, especially like eating lunch or whatever. It's like, you know, read some comics and just to try to get get it, er, you know, early whatever. And then even like, that's why, you know, sometimes I could even write it, have a, a written review ready. Cause it's like, okay, I can read this awesome book. Uh, you know, it's Superman's space, space, not space 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 Ace. a space age whatever you know i's like oh i love this i'm i'm going to have this review written ready to go okay when's the comic come out tuesday boom here's a review ready to go i am at work the review is live because i was able to write it before you know i can't do that anymore that that's the that's the mummer now uh, that i'm you know trying to keep up with, with with them so that that's my lame excuse it's not 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 i'm not it's an, it's a, it's not a valid excuse it's a weak excuse because you know i'm i'm my job on this podcast is to talk about everything and even, and, you know, I, I feel like I could maybe try to rectify things, you know, or try to talk to someone else, but I almost, I don't know. It's kind of like the principle of it. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe someday I should try to get this fixed, but it's, it's, um, I am, I'm a little, I'm a little, a little, it's, it's unfortunate. Like I said, you know, cause I've been working with DC for so long. Yeah. So they're just like, yeah, whatever. So, the good thing is, you know, because I had no internet and I wasn't able to read the couple books. There wasn't a whole lot that came out at, from DC DC this week, unless I'm wrong. Because what I've been doing, and just to give you full details in case you're you're at all interested, but usually what I do is I'll look at the Comicsology page. And I look at it online, and I'll do like a screenshot, screen grab of, okay, here's the new books. Because what I used to do, and and see, I haven't checked Image lately because I don't know if they're up to date, but I would go through and see, okay, this is what came out at Image, and I can go through the list, and and same thing with Marvel or whatever. But with with DC, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot that came out. Uh, There was Batman and Robin number two, which I I do want to read that, you know, Joshua Williamson. Uh, and, uh, Simone, the, the, I can't read that. Um, yeah, I'm really curious to see where that's going to go. Superman lost. Well, I can't believe issue seven came out. So I, I can't remember the last issue that I read on that. Um, I want to read that series. I want to like that series, but it just, it wasn't clicking for me. And, and I'm sure, you know, maybe like once the trade comes out or if I read it again, I don't know. We'll see. Um, world's finest teen Titans. Um, what issue is this See, I I did a screen grab so now I can't even read it because it's so small. But I've been enjoying that. You know, it's uh, Mark Wade and it l- appears Chris Somni is still doing this this one because I know I'm pretty sure he did the last one. Um, there was Wesley Dodd's The Sandman. I was really curious to read this, so I'm kinda bummed because I, I really like the Wesley Dodds character and, and I only really new from Sandman Mystery Theater, uh, which was, you know, at first I was, I was, I don't know, I didn't know what to expect when I was reading that and, you know, when, when the, that series was out. So I was curious about this because, you know, we did see uh, the Sandman and the Nightmare whatever thing. But, um, yes, yeah, so I'm not really sure what, what that's all about. Are they bringing them back or is this some sort of flashback or some sort of reprint? I don't know. I think that's about it. There's, looks like Batman City of Madness, number one, Christian Ward. I don't really know what that's about and then oh wait no there's danger street number 10 came out oh man i'm so that's another i'm so intrigued with this series i don't i don't know what what what's going on and then um diana and the hero's journey so wonder woman comic and that that's it i think i feel like oh wait no no there's green lantern <laughs> Um, I, the reason I skipped by it because the, the this, when I, I don't know if they changed it but there's like the, the thumb, thumbnail for it, it's like black, it says cover FPO and it says for something only so they definitely must have changed that so I don't know what happened there, so yeah that is my um, lamer than usual <laughs> recap of, of comics for the week, uh, hopefully next week, um be back on track my goodness man the continental season one episode three theater of pain so this is it for the first season will there be more that's a really good question and i i mentioned this before i find it fascinating the fact that it was only three episodes you know that that seems you know it it was listed as like a mini-series the, you know, so not only was it three episodes, but the episodes were like ninety minutes. You know, the, this last episode was like an hour. I think it was like an hour and thirty-seven minutes or something like that. So it's weird. I mentioned before they could have done shorter episodes and had like you know four or five episodes instead of three episodes. I also, do, you know, we we get a conclusion to this main first story here easily. Obviously, you know, we're we're talking the seventies, going from the seventies to like the current. You know, Winston has. There's a lot of time that the pass by between or what happens between then and now, you know. So they could easily do like a second season. And, you know, they've set up a lot of characters, establish who they are, make us, you know, start to care about them. You know, there's there's definitely room. So it'll be interesting to see how this does, and you know, is there any interest in more? You know, so I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. So with this episode, uh, theater of pain. It, it starts off New York city, 1955. We see Frankie and Winston's mom It's like, she's making them sleep in the trunk of a car in case like anybody saw them or something like that. She has to go to work and then she gives Frankie a gun and she's like, just in case. So that's pretty bad the, the fact that, you know, she has a gun or whatever. And then she's like, you know, won't always be like this. And she walks off. So then in present Winston like opens the trunk of a car and it's like, wait, what, what, what's that all about? And we don't see like what that has to do with anything. Until later. Yen and Miles, they enter this dark room. Then Yen stabs a guy like several times. Miles shoots a machine gun, and then the lights come on. And then, so they were really training. It wasn't like a real person got stabbed. Let me, you know, because he's like cut or something like that. And he complains. He's like, you know, one of my trained guys wouldn't get cut down just from being stabbed or you know, wouldn't go down or whatever. So they're in the dojo basement. They're going over, you know, their plan to make their way to the armory. They'll need to, to get the key. Um, and Cormac is most likely to have... Have it on him or have one on him at least let me ask he's like well what about that kid on the inside Sharon? and winston's like no 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 he's like let's just focus on the plan and lou's like i thought that was the plan and his other guys like like don't all the killers have have weapons and jeans like you know they will they have personal weapons for protection but in an all-out assault cormac opens up the armory and then Miles like, well, even if they get to the armory before all the guests do, all, with all that firepower, it's gonna be useless if they don't have an army. And Winston's like, oh, not to worry. You know, he's like, Maisie's on board. And Miles like, well, like, what? He's like, since when? Winston's like, since a few hours from now. And he's like, what the? He's like, what the fudge is going on with you, Winston? And he's like what's wrong with me? He's like, what's wrong with you? He's like, all you want are guarantees. There are no guarantees. He's like, if you want to back out, now's your chance. But I'm going to kill Cormac and and take his precious fudging hotel with or without you. He's like, I'll see you at the grand reopening. And he just like walks out. So, you know, everyone's on on edge, I guess. Then we see someone's like taking pictures of like Lou and Lemmy. They're unloading crates from the the bus into the dojo. Then KDE walks in. She like flashes her badge and tells him that she's looking for Winston Scott. Lou's like, and that's not a name I know. And Lemmy's like, he's like, oh, he sounds like a pedophile. And Katie's like, he's a person of interest. And Lou, like, and, you know, who are you? And Katie counters with, like, what's in a crate, Lemmy? And she's like, that's right. I know your name. She's like, I know all about this place. And then Lemmy's like, all right, why don't you tell me what's in a crate? And she's like, you really want to play it like that? And then he's like, you know, sayonara. And he, he takes the crate away probably because, you know, she doesn't have a warrant. So I don't think she can, like, just, you know, go in there and take whatever. But then to Lou... She's like, look, I know exactly the kind of gig your brother is running out of this place. And honestly, I don't give a poop. You're protecting your brother. I get it. I had a brother. I'm just looking for Winston Scott. If you know where I can find him, I suggest you call me. And she leaves like a card or something with her number. And Katie walks out and then someone wrote like pig on the dust in the back for her car windshield her window, whatever in the back. And then but someone's still looking through the camera. So at first I thought it was her because it wasn't her before and then they they take pictures of kd also and then Lemmy pulls out of the alley in the bus he like "Ah, ah, ah, ah," honks up a few times katie like flips him off as he drives away turns out it's mayhew the 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 cop taking pictures her you know katie's secret boyfriend because he's married so we see gene he's at this lady's apartment he's acting like an exterminator and he's like looking behind a stove and then he he like pulls out a dead rat from his bag as he's working back there and she that like, kind of freaks out he's like oh don't worry and he's like oh it's hard you know let be dead and he's like don't worry you know landlord will we'll put you up in a very nice hotel while i tend to this grisly task and he's kind of like flirting and you know flattering her or whatever then he goes to like the the living room window he like opens the 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 drapes because he says that rats hate sunlights or whatever and then he's like oh there's a view i'd kill for because you can see the continental from there so obviously they're trying to look for some angle and you know he's probably going to try to use that as a nest to to shoot miles is testing ammo and he thinks he's going to need something more powerful and lemmy's like where's winston he's like that's a very good question then he goes upstairs to tell Luz that he needs some armor piercing rounds and needs her to go to jersey for him so she was like in the, in the upstairs office where she was looking at a memorial picture of her father and then he asked her like, what's up? And she says that you know, she's getting a feeling that something's not right. And Miles thinks that she's talking about the plan and then she's like, no, no, that's not it. She's like, did dad know that Jenkins had a room at that place, so Gene? And he's like, I guess. And she's like, mm-hmm. And she's like, what about this new Chen mother trucker forcing us to put a cigarette machine up in here? And Miles like, why you put me on the stand? And she's like, for some truth. And he's like, you don't want that. He's like, trust me, you don't. And she's like, you want to know what I think? I think you jumped at the opportunity to go to that hotel because you do anything just to be different than him. Anything to be the opposite of what he stood for. How's that for some truth? And he's just like, he's quiet. And he's like, it's all lies. He's like, let me know if you can make that run to Jersey for me, okay? We're running out of time. And he leaves and like a tear goes on her face. The bus switch. There's you see it like a public bus switches out of service, and then the twins are standing outside. So they ask the driver to. I think they they I thought they told him to disembark the the vehicle, but then the the, the lady twin slams him back into the seat with her butt, you know, with the boot. She just like kicks him down, you know, keeps him hold is holding him down. And Sharon's behind him. Then he's like, "Sorry to disturb you, but do you recall the man that paid you to have a private meeting with me? We need to know where you dropped him off." And the bus driver tries saying, he's like, I make dozens of stop a day. He's like, I don't remember whatever. And then the, the lady twin like slams him down again. And then he's like, it was a hotel near a park. He's like, I'm not sure which one. Then Sharon suggests that he be more specific. And then the the, the dude twin gets his gun ready, like closes the door and a driver yells. He's like, that's everything I know. He's like, I dropped him off the Rose Hotel. And then pew, he gets shot in the head. So it's like, uh, way to go Sharon. You just got this bus driver killed. Winston's like pacing. Then he's surprised because Maisie, you know, shows up behind him and she's like, you have five minutes. And he says that he couldn't get it out of his head. You know, she didn't want his money. And she's like, and yet here we are at a bank. So it looks like an older bank where I don't know if it's like just des- deserted, if he's even running. He starts talking about his mom working nights when he was a kid. He's like $16 a night scrubbing floors at a bank like this one. He says that he remembers her coming home one night to find an eviction notice nailed to their front door. Their drunk, useless dad was, was crying. Her, his mother had pride. So next day, she marched over to the bank with him and Frankie, found a loan department. They could only watch as all that pride vanished as this man in his suit told her to take her dirty kids and their homemade clothes and get the hell out. He's like, then his mother did something that he never saw before. She got on her knees and she begged for money. And Maisie's like, she submitted to a man in a suit. And Winston's like, and he just snarled at her. Don't you know what this place is? Who the hell do you think you are coming here? And my mother, she looked up from her knees. He sighs. And she said, I'm the person who cleans these floors. You asked for my story, Maisie. Banks have always made it their business to break the poor. And even an empty one like this, it sits as a symbol, casting a shadow over the less fortunate, which is why I felt it was only right that in your neighborhood, you should own this one. And he's like holding like the deed or something like that he's like put it to better use so Maisie's like you bought me this bank and winston's like oh but i have more gifts to bear and there's like Are these clothes she's like i'm not a big believer in a suit makes a man or something like that And he's like well then think of them as work clothes because with your permission i'll put your men to work besides i think we both can agree it's not the suit it's what's inside that counts so we see lou goes out at night she goes like a pay or she's outside already so she, i think she went made a jersey drop she goes to pay phone and she says, you know, it looks like she's being followed. So she calls the Rose Hotel. She asks for Winston Scott's room. The clerk said that he's not in. She's like, okay, then leave a message. She's like, you know, tell him it's Lou and that someone's following me and I'm on my way. So she hangs up and then Mayhew's right right outside the, 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 the pay phone. He's like I need to ask you a few questions they like get in a fight and she, she pretty much beats the crap out of him because you know he he like pulls out his gun when she, she like hits him and she slams his arm like in a, the phone booth door and then he, somehow he ends up in a phone booth with her and it's, it's like fight 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 he gets in a couple blows but you know he and there at one point he like picks her up and kind of like slams her head at the top of at a phone booth but she keeps like hitting and then at a point it's like it's like choking him with, with the phone cord it's, like hitting him hitting him and then and he's out. So she pulls him out of the phone booth and she like, you know, checks his ID. She sees his, his badge. So she like curses. And then she just like leaves the badger and she like t- takes off. Winston arrives at the hotel and he's told that he has an urgent message. Sharon tells Cormac, he's like, we found him. We And he's like, what about the coin press? And Sharon says that they'll know shortly. So then he's like, Sharon, prepare the elixir. And he's like, sir? He's like, you know, the fun fumes. I need my medicine. Winston's like sitting and he's like waiting in his room and then there's a knock at the door. So he gets his like little gun ready and, you know, he's like, who is it? It's so loose as, you know, it's, it's her. So he's like, what are you doing here? And she's, she's like, there's something that you're not telling me. And he's like, what are you talking about? She's like, I'm talking about cops. And she mentions like earlier, a pig came poking about asking about you tonight. Another one followed me. She's like, how are we even on their radar? He's like, I, I have no idea. We see Cormac. He's like praying or something. He says, "You know, things are getting dicey around here. Return this prodigal son to me, and I promise I will rain your justice down upon him." And this is the, the part that's so annoying. He's like when you get these these. He's so crazy that he thinks that he's like worthy, if, you know, of a God's praise or attention or whatever. And then he's like, "I scratch your back, you scratch mine." It's like wait, what? It's so It's like okay, you're you're willing to kill some. You killed a cellist. But God's supposed to be like, okay, yeah, what what do you need? I'll I'll get you something. Meanwhile, we see Sharon's like, he's pouring like some blue liquid on a towel or something like that. I don't know what this was. Uh, Cormac, he starts like, he takes a towel and he starts like huffing it. Like (gasps) He's like, the high table wants to send me to the glue factory. This is my house. I was ordained. It's like, okay, whatever. And Sharon's like, absolutely. No one will ever take it from you. He's like, from us, Sharon, from us. And then more huffing. (laughs) and he's like and the audacity of that adjudicator to mark me with an expiration date and he, he's like continue to insult her and stuff like that or her face and you know the mask and that press will find its way back to me you know why because those are my people down there huff more. he says that you know one giant he has a giant boulder up his sleeve that can take down this you know his this entire empire and swallow it whole he says that he can make all their secrets and all their souls vanish. It's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'll take them all with me if I have to. He's like, this will always be my kingdom, press or no press. And then he even like he has, he's been like stacking these books on a table and he like shatters the table or something like that. It's like, okay, what was the point of that, dude? Uh, the male twin and this other dude arrive at the Rose Hotel. They talk to the clerk. The other. The, the other guy, not not the twin, says they're looking for a man in an ascot. He's like, I'm sorry, I can't. They both pull out their guns on him. He's like, room 312. Mayhew gets to Katie's car, and she's like, what the heck happened to you? Because he's all beat up. He's like, that kung fu bitch happened to me. He's like, and he's like, yes, I followed you, okay? It was for your own good. And she's like, for my own good? He's like, and then I followed her tonight all the way to Jersey. And she called this hotel. She's meeting up with Winston Scott, Frankie Scott's brother. And he's staying at, at the Rhodes Hotel he's like i care about you you're like i really do and she's like this isn't about you and he's like i found a box in your apartment the one in the oven and she's like quiet for a while because we, ne- we never knew what was in in this what was in her oven that she was hiding and she's like you went through my place he's like well i'm a detective what, what do you want me to do she's like, i can't begin to imagine what you've been through but i want you to know i'm here for you okay and she kind of like slowly nods and her face turns a little sour and she like hits him hard a couple times. And she's like, stay the fudge out of my life. And he had curses. And she's like, get out, get the fudge out. He's like, I'm getting out. He's like, I was worried about you. And she's like, yeah, well, yeah, we'll worry about your damn self. <laughs> he like, she kicks him out of the car. Winston tells Lou that the plan is already happening. And she says that all she's saying is that it's not just his life at risk. You know, he needs to figure this out. And, you know, he's like, there is no time. It's D-Day. Then the other dude, you know, busts open a door with his gun out. And Winston tells him, like, get down. Lou gets shot in the arm. Winston, like, overturns this large, like, round table. She, like, throws a blade at the dude's leg. The twin comes in. And, you know, Winston kind of shoves the table at him. But he, like, somehow smashes, like, through it. Then they, they switch partners. Then it's like, wait, did Winston take his guy out? But then the twin, like, knocks Lou out. Winston goes down the stairs. Katie walks in as he's, like, headed towards the exit. They kind of glare at each other. Like, practically, like it's like, wait, do they know each other? What's going on? He reaches the door, and she's like, Winston Scott? And then he stops, and then she pulls out her gun. And she's like, put put your hands up. So then the other guy, I think, so he wasn't out. He he starts coming down the stairs, like, shooting. She turns and shoots, like, several shots. She gets, like, hit. um, She gets hit somewhere. I I don't know if it was, like, in the hand or or in the side or something like that. And he gets hit in the head. Because it looked like she, you know she like lost her gun, but I think she ended up getting hit like not in the gut, but like off to the side a little bit. So then, Winston gets up. The stupid twin somehow got behind him. It's like how did he get downstairs and behind? I don't understand that. And then he like hits him in the head with his pistol. <laughs> then the poor hotel clerk peeks up from behind a desk, and the twinge like shoots him so he's he's about to shoot Winston and he hears sirens so he picks him up he takes him outside and then his sister she's like waiting in a van they leave Lou comes outside you know the sirens are, are from Mayhew he runs into the hotel sees KD and she's like I'm fine and she's like I had him I had Winston Scott they took him so she goes to the body and she finds like a coin in his pocket and May Mayhew asks her you know he's like wait stop a second he's like think about what you're doing he's like there's a line you cross you, you don't come back and then she just hands him her badge, and then he's like, "I hope you find what you're looking for." Miles and the others are checking equipment, comms. Um, someone mentions like, oh, "Is a garbage truck ready?" And you're like, "Yeah, whatever that is." You would find out later. Gene comes in with he has new glasses, and you know Miles like comments about them. He's like, "Oh, you look good. You look younger." Or maybe Lemmy said that. I think Lemmy said he looks like ten years younger. Gene's uh, surprised that no one's backed out. Miles says it's a good plan, and, you know, it's all going to work out. He agrees, it's, you know, it's a good plan. And then, you know, Luke comes down the stairs, like, holding her arm, and she's like, Winston's been taken. So KD goes to the Continental, and she goes to the, the desk. She's like, I'd like a room one night. So that lady, she's like, have you been with us before? KD doesn't answer. She just, like, slides a, a coin across the desk. And then she's given a key to room 818. Winston is with Cormac, so he's brought to him. Cormac comments, he's like, Oh, the sirens are calling. And he talks about buildings getting torched. He he can't believe that. I think he said he started that 20 years ago or something like that. He talks about the one note that he can't copy. It's the sound of the human vocal cord igniting. It's like, What are you even talking about, dude? Then he says that uh, he tells Winston his brother once confessed that he was haunted by the screams of the the unfortunate family. Then he grabs the, the back of Winston's hair and he's like, Where's my press? And Winston's like, you know, until you find it, I'd say it's Frankie who's haunting you. And then Cormac's like, I our guest needs a breath of, breath of fresh air. Or br- he, I think he just says a breath of fresh. He's like, okay, absolutely, sir. So he opens the balcony doors. Two goons are holding Winston. Start like taking him towards the balcony. And Winston's like, you know, before this goes any fur- any further, he's like, you know, he'd, he'd like to get, he'd like them to get something through to thick skulls. And then pew pew. And Cormac gets, like, blood on him, and he ducks. So Gene, um, he's, like, phase one is go. So because the door is open, Gene had a good shot, and he shot the two goons. So Cormac's, like, under table. He's, like, pushing the button several times, but it's, it's, like, wait, it's not working? He's, like, where's my fudging shotgun? And then you hear it, Chick,ick. and he looks up. He's, like, no, Sharon's holding the shotgun at him. So I was right. Sharon was playing Cormac. And he's, like, oh, come on. I took you in, you fudging ingrate. I trusted you. And Sharon's like, sir, give me the key to the Amory. He's like, oh, that's your plan? And he keeps it on a chain around his, his neck. And he's like, you want it? Come get it. And Winston's like, now's your chance, Sharon. Shoot him. And he's like, you better shoot me, because if you don't, I'm going to send you back to Zimbabwe a piece at a time. He's like, it's Nigeria. And Winston's like, Shoot him. C- Cormac's like, he can't do it. Winston's like, do it. And then Cormac's like, fudge off. And he runs. He makes it through like this secret hallway passage. He like bolts the door behind him. It's just like, you know, hallway between the walls or whatever. And he's like muttering and cursing under his breath. So the garbage truck pulls up outside. Uh, there's, there's like a dude in there with, with like a bunch of equipment. Lemmy comes down like in a zip line, zip line onto the ceiling and cuts the line. The front desk lady sees, like, a body get dragged off to the side, so she pulls out her gun to go check it out. Yen grabs her gun and asks, where are the twins? And your Miles comes up to you. Yen asks again, and the lady's like, never. So Yen shoots her in the head. And Miles like, we need to stick to the plan. And then she says that she'll find them herself. Lemmy enters the top by blowing out this door. He shoots these two guys that are in there. Winston tells everyone on the radio that Cormac is running to the armory with a key so go to phase two, rendezvous at the armory. Lou is in the basement at the dojo. She's like staring at like a table full of weapons. She like wipes them off. And then that errand boy comes in and she's like, You can't be down here and then he's like fascinated by like this one it's like it's like some sort of detonator or something like that. And he's like, Some object speak to me And then, you know, she like she's like, Give me that or something like that. And then he's like, Master's coming for you and she's like, Well, let him come and the boy's like, No, he's coming for you now. Cormac continues through the tunnels between the wall. He comes to this door. He tries opening this lever, to unbolt or whatever, <laughs> but it breaks off. And he just takes a me- like this piece of metal. He's like hits the wall and he kind of makes a hole. So he just like keeps like pounding on it. Lou and the, the boy exit the dojo. The dude uh, Shen whatever says in Vietnamese that he should have taken the boy's legs too. And there's like maybe seven guys with him or whatever standing around. And she's like, "You sure you want to do this? This will get very messy if you force me to bring up my brother and his friends." And Chen's like, "That's just it. They're not here. And from what, I, what I'm hearing, they won't be back ever. As of now, this place is shut down." And she's like, "B.S. It's like my father built this place. He chose to die here, and I'm not going nowhere." And then he's like, "Here, here, here. I can't remember how he said. Here, Hero Nemus Burton." kill the the family that built this place. He's like, without blinking an eye, he moved right in. He was allowed to by the powers that be as long as he continued to work for them. And she's like, that's not true. And he's like, those are facts. He was a gun for hire. Killing is in your DNA. And then this dude gives him like something that's wrapped, you know, whatever. And Yen's like, or Chen, not Yen, Chen. Did I have everything? saying Yen? Chen, I think that's his name. He. Chen says, he always claimed to never use a gun. Truth is, this one was special to him. And he hands it to her. He's like, it's loaded. And it has his name, like, carved on the side. He's like, nobody knows the story better than your brother. That's why he kept it from you. You're sensitive. Too bad you'll never get the chance to ask him about it. And then he tells the kid, he's like, get inside. And the boy's like, don't let him take me. And the dude, like, laughs. He's like, oh, he's a beggar. But then uh, the men's like, pushed their their way in. And start smashing like and slashing the, the, the dojo. Cormac ended up he smashed a hole in the wall to get the, out, out into the, the regular hallway. He looks up at a security camera, he's like shouting something like that. he's pointing at his wrist, he's like motion because there's no sound. And, and I think he's like motioning to the alarm because it's like not going off. Sharon injects Winston with with something and he's like, What what is it? And Sharon says it's a proprietary drug. Um, you know, it's like quite popular at the hotel. And he's like, oh, my God, that's incredible. So it must be some sort of like adrenaline or something. I don't know. And then he's like, I'm sorry, I didn't shoot Cormac. And Winston's like, yeah, so am I. Let's hope we get a second chance. Then the red light goes on and he sighs. And away we go, which is what Winston says. The other guests are starting to get their weapons ready. Like one dude, like snorts all this coke. Everyone's starting to leave their rooms. They got guns and swords and stuff. The, uh, if you don't, don't familiar with it, that song "Popcorn" by Hot Butter. Pretty sure that's how it is. As um, that starts playing, total seventies. Everyone seems like super excited to have the red light on. It's I, okay. Maybe just they just enjoy killing. I, mean, I don't know if they think they're going to get paid, make more money. I don't know. Cormac's knocking on doors with men, and like one behind who's like, "Come on!" She's like, "What are you waiting for?" It's like, "Open season of Winston Scott." And Katie's in her room, but then she has like, "Her cheeks bloody." I don't know if she did. she got some weapons and stuff out. So I'm not really sure what what that was about. And then there's like those pneumatic canisters, whatever. Um, they they show Winston as, as shown as in inimicus or something like that. So they're tar- it's basically they're wanted. You know, it has like a security sh- screenshot of them. KD grabs one out of this dude's hand, and the other guy's like, hey. And he's like, I know you. You're a cop. Then they pull up guns. She stops them from, like, shooting her. Like, well, she somehow knocks one guy out, and she knocks the other guy by take, taking out his leg and then starts, like, pounding on him. And it's like, what the heck is going on? Like, what's her story? She definitely seemed like she leveled up. And then she's, you know, she, this guy's on, on the ground. She's just, like, pounding on him. And then she's like, nah, I was a cop. And she just delivers another blow, even though he's, he's probably like, pulverized. Uh, so now Lemmy's been targeted also, so there's a reward being offered. He he comes across this woman and she's like, at a, I don't know if she's at a copy machine or something like that. And she's like, she gets all startled. She's speaking Hungarian and she puts her hands up like she's scared. It's like, no way. This is an act, right? He's like, oh, no, no. He's like, I'm Lemmy. It's like, I'm a good guy. And he's like, look, And he pu- stupidly puts his gun down. He's like, I'm not going to hurt you. And then he's like, oh, is that a worm tattoo? And then she seems like, you know, she's going to run for a phone. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. He's like, he's like, he's like, wait, no, that's a snake. Like, no, no, no. As, as I see, it's, it's an octopus. But he's like, you don't have to call anyone. And then she like jabs him in the throat with the phone receiver. And then, you know, pulls a, a, off the, like, the the blade from a paper slicer, you know, the big, long thing. I was thinking like Final Destination. I think it was, or maybe it was a faculty. Well, anyways, so she pulls off the, the the blade thing. And he's like, why, why do fudges? everyone keep hitting me in the fudging neck? And then she starts like slashing at him with, with the thing, and he like he throws some sheets of paper at her. He's like, "Why are we fighting?" He's like, "I don't want to do this." And then you know he pulls out a blade to fight in, instead of like another gun. He gets knocked down. He he blocks the blade with like a chair. He like, kicks her in the knee, which you think it would hurt a lot more, and she, but she keeps going. He tries like clawing away, and she grabs her him, and he like kicks her in the face, and he keeps saying, "He's like, I don't want to do this." And then she picks up like this. Solid ashtray or something like that, and he has a hatchet in his hand. At this point, she throws the the whatever this this big hunk of glass thing at his forehead. He goes down, but he like threw the hatchet too. It hit her square in the chest, and then she's like standing there for a second, and then she goes down. Winston and Sharon they reach the armory. They call on the radio. Miles says that Lemmy is MIA. Uh, then, you know, he shoots this guy around the corner. Um, there's, you know, some other guys. Then this guy with a sword comes at him. And then Lemmy takes him out from, or not Lemmy, Gene uh, takes him out from the other building. Yen is, has been crawling through, like, the heating duct. And, you know, Miles says that she's also AWOL. They don't know where she's at. So Winston and Sharon wonder if Cormac is inside the armory. And Winston's like, well, only one way to find out. And he kind of pounds on the vault door. And then about... A dozen guys come out like from the sides, you know, there's like a bunch of doors on the side. They have guns and stuff like that. So they take uh, Winston and and Sharon's gun. Then Cormac walks up like, oh, he's all cool because he's got all these people with him. He's like, he's such a loser that, you know, because who's Winston? Winston's guy trying to build a like parking, scam people money to build a parking garage or whatever. So he's like, oh, Sharon, this was too easy. It's like, oh, really? This is easy. He's like, all this because of that bug-eyed cellist? And Sharon's like, all he did was play music. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. He was a virtuoso. Too bad he weren't there for his last impactful performance. You know, I told him to choose a song. You know what he picked? Loyalty to the Master from Don Giovanni. And Sharon's like, the cellist didn't know his audience. But Loyalty to the Master? That's what he told you it was about? He like chuckles. He's like, that's funny. Really funny. And Cormac's like, he chose it just for me. And Sharon's like, he did. But what it is about is damnation. The central idea is that the fate will catch up to you and the actions you commit. You thought he was playing for you, but really he was just playing you. And Cormac's like, somebody, anybody just drop the hammer and just treasonous puke. And the guy holding the gun at Sharon like moves closer. But then I, I think, I'm pretty sure it was Winston. He says, I have a better idea. Why not five on five? And as some of the other guys that were there, they pulled their guns on Cormac and Cormac groans. And then now like it's it's almost like a standoff. They're holding, pointing guns at each other. And Winston's like, open the armory. And Cormac says that, he's like, I knew something smelled fishy. He's like, Maisie's homeless, whatever. So then he goes up to the door with the key It's kind of like a skeleton key type thing. He shoves it in there and then breaks it off. No one's getting into this armory. Kill them. And there happens to be like a light switch or something right by the door because he's able to turn it off. So it's pitch black. And then people are shooting in the dark. I was like, why are you shooting when it's pitch black? It just makes no sense. Lou's staring at her father's gun her eyes are closed and then she like imagines her father shooting it like several times and then she's sitting next to the kid and he pulls out the detonator thing. And she's like, do you want to see how that thing works? So inside Chen is like staring at a picture of her dad on the wall. Then he hears like a beep and he looks to the side and there's like a flashing light in a crate and it starts like flashing beeping, faster. His eyes go wide. Boom. Dojo blows up. Lou has a tear in her eye outside. Sharon manages to turn on the lights. He looks for Winston. Everyone else is dead. And, and then a seemingly like dead guy sits up. Winston was hiding beneath him. And Sharon comments on, on, they're like, where's, where's Cormac? And he's like, well, look, there's footprints. So the bloody four footprints must be Cormac's. Winston calls on the radio that the armory entrance is you know, unsuccessful. So next phase, he's like, kill them. Kill them all. Cormac enters this elevator. He, um, he tells the bellhop to step aside. And a dude, he's like, it's like, oh, you want to go to that floor? He's like, you have to be announced. And Cormac's like, oh, yeah, sure, be my guest. And he slams his head against the wall a few times and throws him out of the elevator. Gene is getting ready to shoot again. But then he hears like some keys jingle. He turns around and a lady who lives in an apartment there. And he's like, you're not supposed to be here till Wednesday. And she's like, I forgot my medication. And he's like, I'm going to need you to lock that front door. Winston and Sharon come across the bellhop, and Sharon checks on him. Winston, you know, he pries open the elevator door. He says that the car is gone. And Sharon's like, it can't just vanish. And he's like, I know that. So where the hell did it go? So Sharon asks Edwin, the bellhop, if he can, um, if he, whatever, if he knows what's going on. He's barely conscious. And then he, like, whispers something to Sharon. He's like, what do he say? And he's like, 13. And Winston's like, what? It's like, what? what the hell does that mean? Then a, a gun is cocked and pointed at the back of Winston's head. Of course. It's KD. This whole hotel, she manages to find him right away. So she says, you know, drop the guns. And, she, and she's like, get the hell out of here, kid. It's like, this is between me and him. And, you know, he doesn't go at first. And then she, like, tells him. So he goes. Then uh, Three Dog Nights, One. One is the loneliest that play, plays while Cormac. Somehow he's still in the elevator. I was like, I, sometimes I feel like the timing is, like, not consistent. That we're, just like, seeing whatever. So he gets off. He, there's, like, some kind of lowish ceilings. And then there's this metal door with one of those big, like, spinner opener things. So he, like, twists it, goes in. There's a guy sitting, like, at a, a table in front of, like, a computer or something like that. He's like, oh, I did to get an announcement. And Carmack's like, oh, just move. And he's like, this is highly regular. And he's like, put a sock in a doughboy. Because he's a little, little chubby. So then, then it's like he, he's in front of this big, like, radio mic or something like that. You know, one of those big round microphone things. Katie brings Winston to her room, tells him not to fudging move. And she's, like, frisking him. And he's like, who are you? And she's like, I'm the one who survived. And she like hits him with the gun. So at this point, if it wasn't obvious before, I didn't figure it out. But once she said that, it's like, oh. Gene has uh, the lady gagged. He walks towards her with a pillow and she kind of starts freaking a little bit. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, I'm just making you comfortable. He's like, lean back, whatever. He's like, I did not come here to hurt you. And he has like the TV on for her. He's like, I think Bonanza is about to come out. Winston says, um, he's like, it's you. You're the little girl. And she's like, your brother lit my family on fire, but you know that, right? Because you were there and both of you ran like cowards, leaving us to die. Now you're going to feel what they felt. And then she starts like squirting him with like lighter fluid. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, no, 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 no. Give me a second. He's like, we were kids, okay? We had no idea there was a family in there. We were, were just, he's like, stop, 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 please. He's like, I know you hate me, but trust me, I hate myself even more. And she's like, oh, really? He's like, yes. She's like, you have no idea what it's like to watch your family burn and die before your eyes. And he's like, actually, I do. And she's like, your brother got his. And then she like, turns on a lighter. And she's like, now it's your turn. He's like, okay, before you do this, you need to know just one thing. I started a fire, not Frankie. And I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And she's like, you're sorry. Yes, you're fucking Sorry. He like breathes deeps, closes eyes, and she's like looking at him, and she's like, "You're sorry," and then she gets shot and drops drops the lighter. So Winston, he's like, "No!" He goes to the window, and he's like, "Stop! Stop!" Because he's like waving, because obviously Jean must have shot her, must have seen her, found her, and you know she doesn't know what what he's doing, and he's like, he's like, "It's okay." And He like takes a gun from her. He's like, "Put put some pressure on it." He's like, "I'm gonna come back for you, all right?" He's like, "You're gonna be okay." And so again, I think. Um, and at this point, I think she was shot in the side. So before, maybe she was just nicked in the hand. Okay, this is what I was saying. So she was sh- like shot in the side here. So he goes down the hall. He comes across a, a guy like in a leather vest with a leather mouth mouth mask. He's like hacking away at some dudes with guns or something like that. Then Winston starts shooting, but it's like, dude, is he bulletproof? Because he's wearing a leather vest, and I don't think I don't know if they had the leather clothing technology back then. He even, like, it's like, why don't you shoot him in the head? Shoots him in the head, but it bounces off his mask. It's like, okay, shoot him in the forehead. But he's about to, I think he runs out of bullets or whatever, and he's about he's right on top of Winston practically. But then Sharon arrives, hits him, like, with a fire extinguisher, like, in the face, and then a couple more times. So they go into this room. And then stupid Cormac comes on the intercom. Let's all lament a life ill-spent as if our hearts might burst. I'll pour good whiskey on your grave. Pass through my kidneys first. Hello, Continental Shoppers. I'd like to call your attention to today's red light specials. Winston Scott and his orchestra. If you haven't met him yet, I encourage you to go seek him out. Anyone who brings me to head of this honored guest will receive a $2 million bounty and a million for each member of his band. And then the the guy in there is like, kill Winston Scott? Isn't he the only one who knows where the coin press is? And Cormac's like, I'm beyond the coin press. So he doesn't even care anymore. Winston asks Sharon where's Cormac's broadcasting from? And he's like, the operations room. And Winston's like, where's that? Nobody knows, manager's privilege. And he's like, wait, Edwin, he said 13. You think he meant the 13th floor? The, there is no 13th floor. And Winston, um, he admires a poster of this woman on a wall, and Sharon says it was a gift from Frankie. He's like, from Frankie? He's like, how well did you know each other? Very well. He's like, wait, but when I asked you to help, you assumed and I let you. Truth is, I agreed to help because of your brother. Frankie talked to me often, made an effort to get to know me. Nobody else did that. He watched over me like a big brother. He encouraged me to go back home. He even gave me the means. And he's like the means. Then Sharon like pulls out a poster. And then at this point, Hart's Barracuda starts up. There's a hole in the wall. There's like a bunch of guns. I don't know if there's like money or I thought there was a gold bars, but there's definitely guns in there. So Winston says that they need to find the operations room. And he's like, "You'll see your father again. You have my word." So then he goes on a comm. He's like, "Let's take this house." He says that, uh, you know, this is more than just vengeance. This is justice. So there's lots of camera shots, like black and white security shots of people getting killed. The twins are still alive. Um, Yen finally comes out after seeing them, like takes three guys out. It's like following the twins. KG in, injects herself with something. So I don't know if she brought that on because she had a case of something like that. So it's like some, I don't think it was a hotel drug. because I don't know how she would get that unless it's standard in a room or something, which I doubt um again whistles to get the the twins attention Jean says a lady that you know he doesn't mean to criticize but she really does need to take better care of these plants he's like too much water is just as bad as too little he's like i know plants because he went to like the brooklyn Bot- botanical garden need some course or something i don't know some class um he's he knows plants better than than most people he's like in the future if, if you'd like to take advantage of my horticultural expertise, I'd be ca- happy to come down, free of charge, of course. And she nods, and she's like, thank you. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. How presumptuous of me. The twins are on a prowl. Yen gets a drop on them from behind. She seems to be, like, stand- she's way too close to, you know, holding a gun up. You think that, you know, this is where someone grabs a gun out of the hands. But they actually both get down on their knees, and she's like, guns. So they put their guns down. And she's like, you take from me, I take from you. She clicks this device in her other hand, and she's like, we all go now. But the, the lady twin almost has like a, a smirk on her face. So it's like, what's that all about? Miles comes to the area and sees Yen. He, he's like, in Vietnamese, he's like, no. And she's like, I want to kill them both. And he's like, the whole operation is about finding a future, not ending it. He's like, it's time, or she says, like, it's time for me to be with Frankie. And Miles like, Frankie is dead. You're alive. Then the lady twin moves, Yen tries shooting, but she like moves her arm, like, you know, blocks it, you know, pushes it out of the way. More shooting starts going on. Um, the guy next to Cormac's uh, giggling, and he's doing something on a computer, and Cormac's like, what is that? And he says it's an, an algorithm charting the statistical probability of the enemy's success. And he's Cormac's like, whose side are you on? And he's like, numbers are impartial miles takes a few guys out he's on a run from the twins uh he's reached like the bar he's hiding you know behind the bar he calls lemmy says he's like so I'm not sure if you can hear me he's he, and he's then he starts apologizing he's like got you into this mess um then lemmy wakes up and he asks miles you know where he's at so he puts a bomb in a tube and sends it it shoots out and rolls by the twins uh, There's the, a the, the, the twin dude and the other guy, so I don't know where the lady twin went. She went somewhere else. The twin dude sees it, and he kind of pulls the other guy, and they both, you know, the, it explodes, and they both go flying back. But I think the other guy kind of blocked most of the, the blast from the twin. Cormac's watching on the security screens. He's not happy. Lou goes to the guy in the, in the garbage truck, because he must have hacked into the security screens. There's, like, all these screens and everything, so he can see everything that's going on. And then she says that she needs him to... um Hold on to the, the gun. I think she said, yeah, yeah. I don't think she had the gun. And then she's like, she wants him to watch the kid. And she's like, don't let the kid touch anything. She leaves, and the, the guy's like, I think his name is Ronnie. And she's like, where are you going? And then um, the kid eyes the gun. He, he, he looks at the gun. So it's like, is he going to take the gun away? The twin dude gets up. Miles is hurt from the explosion, so it got him too. The twin dude grabs a grenade and then sends it back through the, the tube thing. Miles tries telling Lemmy, he's like, get out, but the the radio's like starting to cut out. Winston and, and Sharon can hear him yelling, so they need to get to, to the, where the, the mail room or whatever. Miles gets up and shoots at the twin, but misses him. He pulls a trigger, again, his gun's empty. He's like, click, click, click. So then, then he goes up to him screaming, Obviously, it's not a good idea. Then uh, the twin puts his, his foot up to Miles' neck, and Miles just, like, tries hitting his legs. Like, why not, like, hit him or kick him in a crotch? Because, you know, he could easily hit it. Then Lou arrives, kicks the, the twin. So Miles and Lou stand side by side. They kind of look at each other, and the dude, and they both go, Huy-haw! you know, do, a, like, a karate stance move. They rush at him, and he's uh, pretty much blocking all their, their moves. He, they... Then finally, they start getting in some. They start. They start getting in some good good shots at him. They like knock him down pretty hard. they you know, like flying kicks and stuff like that. He slowly gets up, but then he grabs a cue stick. He throws some. He must have picked up like some grit or something like that. Throws it at Miles' face. He like swings at him, hits and you know blocks with the stick. The stick gets broken, and he like shoves it like in in Miles' chest, like almost like a little off center to like his shoulder. Miles is like screaming. He's like holding him down. He, the twin also grabbed like the triangle rack thing from a pool table, just put it around, you know, Lou's head. And he's like choking her cause she's like backwards and he's like kind of holding her like over her shoulder. So she's like leaning back with, you know, with the pressure of the, the, the rack on her neck. And you know, so she, her face is like looking up. So she's like about to pass out. Miles is too weak to, to reach, do anything. So, you know, Lou's, all she can do is look up. And then she sees a little boy in the a heating duct. He opens a hatch and he drops down her dad's gun. So she takes a gun, shoots the twin in the back of the head and it like exits through his eye and he like stands for a second then he goes down. And then I didn't this was so stupid, it was so cheesy. The kid's like sometimes objects speak to me. So is he supposed to be psychic or is it just he's obsessed with things? He's a like klepto or I don't know. And then he ducks back in the heating duct and, like, leaves. She um, hands the gun to Miles, and she's like, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Winston and Sharon make it to the mail room to check on Lemmy. He's, like, lying in the ground. He's groaning. He's bloody, and he's burned, you know, from an explosion. Winston, uh, he's like, oh, you, no, 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 you look great, whatever. Uh, Lemmy mumbles, like, he's like, C4. He's like, what? He's like, it's in my bag. And And he's like, and also... I actually love an ascot. And then Lemmy dies. He dies in Winston's arms. And he like, you know, closes his eyes. Godspeed, Lemmy. So he asks Sharon if the tubes go everywhere in the hotel. They do. So then he asks Ronnie if he's tapped in and Ronnie suggests, you know, an appetizer in the dining room. So there's a, a few goons in there. And so they send one a bomb to the dining room, boom. And then the lobby, boom, the kitchen, boom. So basically Ron, he's like looking at the screens, telling him like where there's a bunch of guys and they're just like <laughs> shooting bombs at them, which is kind of kind of clever. Cormac's also seeing all this on the screens, all the explosions, and he's just like glaring. Winston asks Jerome if he sees a tube for the operations room anywhere. He finally finds it, but it's been destroyed. And Winston's like, of course it has. Then he's like, wait, the OR tube, the operations room must go to the 13th floor. He's like, so how do we get there? And Sharon's like, I worked in the kitchen when I first started. There's a dumb waiter. even hidden floors need service. So they go to the kitchen. Sharon gets sliced by some dude that's like lying next to the wall. Winston like punches him, whatever, he uses the ascot to wrap Sharon's legs. You know, her leg, you know, he like tightens it. They go to the dumb waiter. The numbers guy, meanwhile, tells Cormac that the insurgents have now achieved competitive advantage. And he grumbles, he's like, I asked them for assistance. I asked them for resources, but they, oh, those mother truckers, they put it back on me. I warned them. And he's looking at this, there's this big control panel in this other part. He's like, Orson, I could use a hand here. And then defension protocol. He's like, "It, it does not apply under present conditions. And Cormac's like, oh, what was I thinking? Obviously he doesn't agree with that. Yen is up on the roof. The lady twin arrives up there for some reason. Yen has, like, a detonator or something like that. And she tosses it in the water. So then the lady twin tosses in her machine gun. Then they, they run at each other. They start fighting. Twin has, like, a height advantage because she can, like, kick Yen. She she does this thing where she, like, I, I don't even know how to. If, it doesn't sound right when I'm describing it. But she, like, kicks, like, behind her back, like, overhead and can, like, kick Yen. Yen grabs her leg, like forces the twin, like slam down, you know, fall on her face, whatever. She she gets on her, punches her side, slams her head. The twin tries like kicking back, you know, like over, like over, over her her body, whatever. But Yen grabs her leg and like snaps it, like you know, pulls it forward or something. This I don't know. It, it just sounded nasty. Then the twin starts like cracking her neck and her leg back into position. So it's like what? And she does this, like, creepy stand-up thing. And, and she starts, like, flipping her legs up over her head and, like, whatever. And is she, like, some sort of contortionist? So somehow she's putting her joints back into place. More fighting. Then the twin manages to, like, wrap the, like, the back of her knee around Yen's throat. So, like, the choker. Yen's, like, you know, starts hitting her or whatever. Breaks free. And then, um, you know, she goes slime. She get, gets kicked with this massive, huge kick. Yen goes like flying back, crashes into like a big plan or something like that, and it's like, wait, is she out? She she knocked out or whatever. And then uh, the twin grabs her by the hair, wipes some blood off, like off her cheek, order to taste it because she's a freak or whatever. Then she takes a, a knife out of of her boot and like thrusts it, but Yen puts up her hand to block it, so it just like you know impales her her hand. And then Yen, I'm pretty sure she like punched the twin in the crotch or something like that. And then, then she Yen hits the twin several times. the The twins head, I, I, she gets like knocked and it hits her her face on a concrete or just like a planter or something like that. And I don't know if she's concerned about her nose or her teeth, maybe or something like that. But then Yen pulls the knife out, tries stabbing her in the chest, but then the, the twin like blocks it. And then Yen slams down her hand, you know, her with her with her other hand, and it like sticks in in the chest. And then she, like, tackles her into the fountain. So there's more fighting. You know, we can't see. They're both underwater. And then uh, the knife is... You see the knife goes up, goes down, and it's, like, quiet. The twin climbs out. Then Yen's hand pops up with, like, that detonator. Boom! Twin explodes. And then Yen pops up. Cormac sees the explosion. is like, dead center in, in the camera. Orson's, like, a monumental conclusion. Orson's the other guy. I don't know if I said that. And then... So he's like, a monumental conclusion. And Cormac's like, I'll give you one better. He slams, takes Orson's head, slams it against the table like four times. Then his phone rings. It's it's this big red thing. Cormac picks it up and a voice is like, Orson? And Cormac's like, he has his mind on other things. So it's an educator calling. And, And she's like, and I assume you wish the high table to intervene. And he looks at the phone. He's like, yesterday, do you have the coin press? If I had it, I wouldn't need your help now, would I? And she's like, I always liked Orson. And then they, they both like know the calls over, so they both like hang up. He mutters like, you would. So all the screens go black then, and then they change to like Pong playing on the screen. He's like, oh, you want to play games, huh? Let's play some hardball. So he grabs Orson and then he puts his hand on one side of the control pad and then his on the other. So defension protocol activated. So this 10 minute timer starts. So he's gonna blow up the hotel or something? which is, again, pretty extreme. Miles and Lou are still fighting people. Uh, There's like these metal security blinds that's going down over the windows. Yen gets locked out because she's up on the roof. There's a a room with fluid volume transfer in progress, which I wasn't sure what was being uh, transferred here. So Annihilation T minus nine minutes and counting. Winston and Sharon are still in the Dumbwaiter. It's like, so again, I can't imagine them sitting there all this time. So, uh, I don't know, whatever. It must be just weird editing. KD stumbles out of her room. The elevator passes and Cormac's in there, and you can see him, like, go down. Sharon and Winston make it up to the 13th floor in the Dumbwaiter. They see Orson. He's dead. And then the the building's, like, starting to rumble, which is weird. Sharon sees uh, the the fence, whatever thing, Yen's like pounding on the door and she like sits down because you know she can't do anything cormac has reached a train tunnel so he went all the way down Sharon tells winston that it's a self-destruct sequence cormac has the way to stop it in the palm of his hand they they see him on the camera and they don't have much time to reach the elevator then winston sees like a laundry chute so he goes down and goes at the down the tunnel with a gun. Somehow Cormac thought to hide so he could hit him from behind, which is so stupid. He's like, "Did he know he was coming?" And he's like, "You took everything from me. Now I'm gonna get a kick out of watching you and yours go down into rubble." Winston punches him like square in the face and hits him again. Unfortunately, it doesn't really phase Cormac because then he hits him back a couple times, headbutts him, and he like grabs this big like wrench, like almost like a big monkey wrench or something, hanging on a wall he's like, when you see your brother, tell him I sent you boys to torch the building because I wanted you to do something that you could never come back from. Put the taste of death in your mouth. He's like, that's how I make a soldier. And Winston's like, you knew there was a family in there? And guess who's like walking up, just in time to hear all this. So Cormac's like, I ordered it. And then she like, cocks her gun, Cormac turns. He's like, stand down, the bounty's off. And she's like, no, this is my kill. And he, like, turns again. He's like, chill out, chica. He's like, run along, home now. And then, there's a, a gunshot. And Winston, you know, he, he's standing there, and he kind of, like, looks at her. And, and then Cormac looks at Winston, and he's like, what? He's like, you missed from there? What? And he's like, ugh. And then he, like, you know, put his hands down, and he, there's just blood on his hands because he got, like, shot in the chest or something like that. And he's, like, surprised. He's like, I did something to you, didn't I? And she's like, yeah. Phew. Shoots him in the forehead. Thud. Lands on the ground. So now what? Winston's turn. She looks at, at Cormac, then raises a gun at Winston. She's like looking at, Winston's just standing there, and then she slowly lowers it. Drops the gun. He exhales. And she's like, be seeing you. But there's only three minutes left. Katie walks down a tunnel. This little train comes up, and it's, it's supposed to be an escape pod, because there's like some computerized voice. So then it comes down to the point where it's, it's like down to eight seconds. Sharon's like hiding under table. Winston runs in, deactivates the detonation. And Sharon's like, how did you do that? He chopped off Cormac's hand and put it on the palm scanner. Then one of my all-time favorite songs, The Who's Baba O'Reilly starts playing. Winston and Sharon are laughing. They hug. Ronnie's like, fudge it!" Yeah. The door's open. Yen gets up. The blinds open. Miles and Lou look around. You see like a shot of the red light over door. Uh, the door turns off. Gene offers his humblest apologies to the lady. He feels beyond regretful. She says, she's like, excuse me, mister. And he's like, Gene. And she says that, you know, she, She's like, I've lived here 27 years and I've always hated that hotel. And I'm embarrassed to admit it, I've never been to the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens. And he's like, oh. Winston tells Sharon that he can now leave this place behind. He can go be with his father. He can live a normal life. Sharon's like, but this is my home now. Besides, how could you survive here without me? Then the is driving up. adjudicator is driving up. Everyone's gathering around the rubble at a bar. Winston pulls out a couple bottles, pours shots for everyone. Winston raises a toast. He's like, I just, um, and Amal's like, "To me. And Yen's like, to Frankie. Gulp, they drink. The adjudicator's uh, dude, he hammers this like round metal sign up like on the, the side next to the door outside. He opens the door for her. Winston Scott, he's, he's there. I place this hotel under a state of interregnum. It's like they use all these, it just must be like uh, Latin words, but I feel like sometimes they're just making these words up. These premises are under a temporary suspension of the usual functions until the high table deems otherwise. Commandeering the hotel from the late Mr. O'Connor. Very impressive. Woodson's like, thank you. And you are? I am an educator. Adjudicator. I am a, an adjudicator. I don't know why I can never get that right. Allow me to congratulate you on behalf of the high table. Perhaps you can let me in on how you were able to do it. And he's like, you believe in fate? And she kind of like raised an eyebrow. Then there's kind of like uh, voiceovers as we see different things. And he's like, if you do, you know, sometimes the things we seek in life are right in front of us the whole time. And I don't know, I'm assuming it was the, the, he found the same car that they slept in somehow. He opens the trunk, which is probably what we saw earlier. There's like some clothes in the back and he like moves around, the coin presses in there. So he continues talking. He's like, you see, I learned a suit doesn't make a man. No, it's what's inside the suit that counts. But a wolf in sheep's clothing can't rely on killer instinct alone. So then, then there's a shot. I don't know if they're using the coin to print out or did the coin press. And I don't know if they're doing it with Maisie's help or whatever, maybe at the bank, which would be a good idea. Because I I think there's like shots of gold bars or something like that. So they're providing their own gold, but they're making these coins. And so he continues, it's his resourcefulness and perhaps an open heart that can turn garbage into gold and enemies into allies. And we see several people walk up to the lady at the desk at at the counter. It's like, wait, was it the same lady? Cause I thought she was, maybe it was a different lady. Cause I thought Yen shot her. Anyways, she's like, well, that's lovely, but regrettably the hotel wasn't yours to take. Let me be transparent. Despite what you may think, you did not stop Defensionium. <laughs> I did. If your brother would have just done what he was instructed to do with the coin press, you would not be in this very unfortunate situation. And Winston's like, you know, from where I'm standing, seems to be, to me, you're the one in the unfortunate situation. Because if Cormac taught me one thing, it's leverage. I not only beat him at his own game, but I took his house, and now I'm in control of the one thing that you people seem to need. Oh, but don't worry. I can assure you, the coin press is very safe. And we see Maisie locks it up in the vault at the, her bank now. He's like, you know, in business, I've never been one for dealing with middlemen, and I've never killed a messenger before. There, and she's like, there are rules at play here, silly boy. You have no idea who you're dealing with, but you soon will. And he's like, no, I know the rules. And what do you imagine I'm going to tell the high table? You don't even register to them. They won't speak to you. And Winston's like, hmm, they will now. Pshow, 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 shoots her in the, in the forehead. And then when she lands, her mask kind of comes off a little bit. And we see she's like she has no lips, that her, her teeth are showing. But it's like, wait, how the heck does she talk if she has no lips? Because she's like, there are rules here, silly voy. You have no idea what you're dealing with, what you soon will. See, you can't talk without lips. It's like the goon, that, you know, her, her bodyguard, or whatever, starts to make a move. And Winston just like shifts a gun to his face the dude kind of like glances down at the body and he just like nods at Winston. He's like, whatever, dude. Then Ace Frehley's New York groove plays. We see Winston enjoying a drink in the balcony of his office. You know, the camera kind of pans up. It turns the night and then he goes inside and that's the end. So that is how Winston got control of the Continental, I guess. He took out Cormac. I don't know, but just like, how did the meeting with with the high table go? Because it's like, is it because he has a coin press that they're like all right whatever that's his leverage. So, a lot of questions. But that was uh that was like uh, the continental. <laughs> it was like almost an hour talk about it. <laughs> Oops. It was good. I I wouldn't mind a second season. Not great, not perfect, really good though. All right, then Chucky season 3 episode 2 Let the Right One In. This um this was a okay episode and <laughs> i i think you know because the reason I, I i didn't love this you know so w- what's going to happen in an episode you know someone's going to die because you know chuck he's, he's got to kill people that's kind of like the thing you know part of it is like how how many people can he kill and how does he what kind of creative death is he going to come up with so it's it's not i, I guess between the two there's just a couple deaths we'll just just say that first one was a was was interesting. It was uh, not not necessarily creative or anything like that, but the results was was a, a little little different th- than what we've seen. The second one, I don't, <laughs> I, I'm a little skeptical about how one because of the outcome of it, and then two, just the way it happened. So you'll when we get there, you'll see. And it's when we get to the the death with a, the, the scene with a flag. Let's just say that. Okay, so it starts off. Devin asks. He, he's like, "Well, if Chucky's in the White House, he's like, how are we going to get to him?" And Jake says, like, well, don't they do tours? And Devin, like, looks it up, and he says that it usually it takes, like, weeks to get a booking or something like that. Then Lucky's like, well, what about a personal invite? And she pulls up a picture of Grant, the president's son. And they're, they're, they kind of look at him they're like, oh, whatever, type of, you know, like, you, even the boys, are, are, you know, they are think he's cute or something like that. He seems kind of, I don't know, I didn't think he was, like, a good-looking guy. He seemed, he seemed a little awkward. You know, if I'm trying to be polite, I don't know. I mean, who am I to say anything? But it just seemed weird. Uh, you know, he is the president's son, so he's got, you know, a little bit of clout with that. And, you know, uh, she's, you who know, was it? Um, one, of the, one of the two says that he's very obsessed with the socials. I, I, I think it was Devin. And he said, he's like, he has two million followers, and then Lexi thinks it's going to be easy to get access. She figures you know, she, she has a way to, to get in or whatever. Then their, their teacher guardians, her name is, I finally, <laughs> here's, I finally learned this lady's name. I kept forgetting what her name was. Her name is Rachel Fairchild. She like saw a picture of Chucky at the funeral and she's like, like, is this Chucky or whatever? And then they're like, just looking at her. And then she's like, oh, I'm late to the party, aren't I? Cause you know, they already, they realize that. And then she realizes that they're trying to plot something. She's like, no way. She's like, I'm responsible for you now. And you know, he, cause he killed your parents all this stuff like that. But, but then they said it because of that, they're responsible for others, you know, they, they want to make sure this doesn't happen. And but she's like, Well, you're not going, you know, then she's like, Well, at least not alone. So then we see Grant, it's a time must pass because it's like middle of the night, he wakes up, he kinda gets startled by Chucky or Joseph as as he's going by. And little kid Henry, his little brother, is like, still, like, he's like, oh, he can't sleep. And then Grant asks him thing about Teddy, his uh, secret agent guy who Chucky killed, who they don't know why he died. He, they think he killed himself. Grant's like, you know, it's okay to be sad about Teddy or, or you know, Joseph or whatever, and stuff like that. We, it's like, wait, who is this Joseph that they're talking about? So it must be a sibling that they had. I'm not really sure how old he was. Was he older or younger? You know, is he in the middle? You know, it's not really super clear. But Henry's like Joseph is gone. He's right here because in the Chucky doll, and then I, th- I think he, he kind of makes like Grant like give Joseph a hug or whatever. And when he does, you know, you see Chucky's eyes kind of move. Next day at breakfast, Henry says uh, you know he like listen. He's like, Joseph wants Swedish meatballs for breakfast, and Mom's like, Well, maybe Joseph wants pancakes with extra syrup. So Henry leans over to hear you know Joseph whisper, and he's like, Joseph doesn't want fudging pancakes. And they're like Henry, and you know the dad president. He's like, Oh, whoa, whoa. whoa. And he's like i didn't say it and you can see grant wants to say something about joseph or, or henry or something like that it's like there's something on the tip of his tongue but he doesn't get a, a chance to say anything dad gets a text and you know he, he tells grant you know they'll have to wait whatever and you know because he and, and their mom have a very important meeting and mom's like well you know we'll talk about your choice of words later and then henry leans over again and he he tells his dad he's like joseph wants to go to the oval office again he had so much fun and dad's like, well, I appreciate his enthusiasm for politics, but, you know, I think you should probably go to school. Then Henry convinced him. He's like, well, please, you know, I was like that. He's like, oh, I guess it's okay if Joseph misses one more day of school. And he, walk, <laughs> he walks out, you know, carrying Chucky and like in a high voice, he's like, I can't wait to go to your office. And Henry, <laughs> I like how he did this. Henry kind of smiles and he says to Grant, he's like, he doesn't sound like that. But you can see Grant almost seems like a little concerned with with all this. So the president and uh pretty sure this is the vice president. They, they meet with this guy. I think his name was Warren. And the first lady's there with him. She actually pours a coffee because I guess this guy didn't want any of the, the help there. And cause she like hands a cup to the vice principal or no, she, she hands, she hands uh, the coffee to this dude and then he hands it to the vice principal and then he opens up his briefcase. He has a thermos. So he brought his own coffee. He's like, I don't ingest foreign liquids. So then they, they he's he's like well call me Price and it's Price P R Y C E not that it matters but that's what, he's like call me Price or or better don't call me anything you know because he's like it's better if I'm a ghost around here you know to avoid bureaucracy, bureaucracy and all that whatever he says that he'll need current uh access to all White House facilities or anything like that he already spoke to his associate at the Pentagon. So you know he he says you know what, was there something keeping Teddy up at night? You know they're talking all about his death and everything like that. And First Lady's like this conversation is ghoulish. You know she doesn't want to talk about it, but that's why he's there, I guess. You know to figure out what's going on. And then because uh, he says something, like his his death isn't without like suspicion. You know, so it wasn't that he just killed himself. So he's wondering if something else happened. But then he's like, what is that? Because he sees Chucky, and Mom's like, oh, it's it's therapeutic. You know, it's his it's for. Henry, you know, his, he's like the doll's name is Joseph. He's like, oh, like your deceased son. And then the secretary pops in with like a, some letters or, or something, something like that. Uh, the president's like, you know, have you seen my letter opener? She's like, no. And then you know she leaves the room. He's, the president tells Price, he's like, oh, it was a oh no Roosevelt opener. He's like, I got it was a gift from Barack. So it's almost like he's kind of bragging about it. Then Price is like, oh, Barack still owes me ten bucks. So it's like he's trying to brag back. Then he he's like, well, I'm gonna go check out the crime scene while Henry's still in school. Then we see Lexi, she's like doing her makeup, you know, to get a light ready on the camera, you know, because she's going to send a video to Grant. Devin says that, you know, he's been looking to his account. He says he follows a lot of conspiracy accounts. And she says, so it sounds like you want to slide into his DMs. And he kind of like, he doesn't deny, he kind of smiles. Then Devin says that, I don't know, maybe it was Jake said this. Jake said that I I think that he's following a lot of accounts about grief. So he tells Lexi, he's like, one, you look hot. And she like smiles. And then he's like, two, maybe don't go to full like sex pot route. You know, he's like, talk about your feelings. You know, try to connect with Grant over his grief about his brother. So she does a video. She's like, hi, my name is Lexi. I'm reaching out to Grant Collins of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue because I need help. My sister Caroline is missing. So we see Price checking out Henry's room. He looks in a closet, he's looking around, then he sees like Chucky footprints. And he, you know, he, he takes one of uh, Henry's shoes and puts it next to it, and he takes like a picture. It's you know, like comparison. Grant is at school, he's got his phone, he's doing like some stupid live videos, like, hey, whatever, hey, my followers, and blah, blah, blah. Like that. There's one guy, he's like, Oh, why don't you say hello to my followers? He just like floats them off and walks away because like he doesn't care who who Grant is. Then uh, he just like sits down a little defeated. So it's like Grant isn't as cool as he thinks he is or wants to be. Then he happens to watch Lexi's video. You know, Lexi's talking about, you know, bringing Caroline home. And to do that, they need to keep her name in people's mouths and in their minds. And, you know, Grant can help. She's like, please help. And you can tell he's hooked. So apparently he responded. He texts her, hey, girl, because Jake's like, hey, girl, that's his opener. And then he's like, he probably texts out the 25 other girls. And she's like, yeah, but those 25 girls aren't me. So she's, you can hear that she's, you know, sending texts back and forth. And Jake's like, oh, it seems like it's going good. And she's like, going well, you know, because they're talking about their, their teacher and everything like that, wanting them to get caught up on their education and whatever. But she's like, okay, I'm pulling the trigger. So she texts, I really like your energy. We should meet in person. You, me, and my friends. And she's like, tomorrow maybe? So she's like waiting. And he responds, come to Balzac's coffee shop at Dumont Circle at 3 p.m. So they're like, they're in. It was that easy. <laughs> President gets um, evening mail, I think, from Secretary. And she's like, did you ever find that opener? And he's like, no, I did not. And he, he's like, I also managed to lose track of my son's doll. He asked the secret agent at the door. His name is Coop. I don't know if it's going to matter. He's like, has anyone else been in there today? He's like, absolutely not. So then he heads out, um, Coop goes with him, this new guy comes in, he's a Marine in, in, in uniform, he, he comes by the door. Then his secretary is about to leave, you know, she closes up her, her desk where gets her, her bag. But then she decides to go back in the office, and she closes the door, which is seems kind of weird. It's like, why would she close the door? No one else is there, you know, there's a guard outside, but she closes the door. She looks around and she sees Joseph slash Chucky lying on the floor, like behind a sofa, kind of pretty much in plain view. There, there's almost like no reason how, you know, no reason for the president not to be able to see that. So she picks him up. She kind of like fixes his hair or whatever. She kind of stares at him, you know, looks at him, whatever. And then he pulls out the letter opener, whoosh, slashes her throat. And apparently, so this is a letter opener. Letter openers aren't that as sharp, but apparently this one is pretty sharp. Either that or Chucky has really strong little arms because he slashed her, her, her throat and you know she dropped him you know he falls back and he just he gets up and watches and blood's like spurting out of her neck and and then her head's like starts leaning back from getting cut And it's like, she's like a Pez dispenser. So she's like, almost like looking backwards. And you can see, it was was kind of gross, kind of graphic. You can see like her, just her neck severed. It's like, oh, it's like, how did Chucky chop that? He's like almost decapitated with this little sweep from a letter opener. And as all his blood's going out, you see like, just like the, the trachea or whatever bones and just, and Chucky's like, oh, that's awesome. And then, then she falls over and, you know, her head's just like cracked open, you know, flipped open. Then he's like, that's two down, four to go. But who's fudging counting? So I don't know if I miss something. So if two down, four to go. So he's trying to kill six people. Is there a reason? Is this some other sort of ritual? I don't know what's going on. I feel like I missed something here. I don't know if it's something they mentioned last season and I just don't remember it. I don't think there was anything said, you know, this season. So Price comes into the office uh you know he, he acknowledges the marine he sees him he's like oh marines huh whatever he's like five Opens the door and kind of like looks in there and he goes in and like quietly shuts the door so he sees the body right away and he doesn't want to alert the marine guy So the president and uh and the first lady charlotte you know they're, they're sitting and she's then she's like you know where, where are you at because you know you're furrowing your brow and he says that you know he's thinking about teddy's family what they're going through and, and she's like yeah you know we know it because you know they they lost because th- he's thinking about, like, what, you know, they lost her, their dad, the husband, you know, all this stuff like that. Then her phone vibrates. So she looks at it, and it's it's Price. And it says, come to the Oval. Don't tell your husband. But he's, like, so deep in thought. I don't even know if he realized that she got a text. And she's like, I'm going to go check on Henry. And he's just, like, he barely even realized she said anything. So she goes there, and she's, she's shocked to see the dead secretary. And then Price, like, grabs her. He's like, we need to get a You need to get a hold of yourself. He's like, there's a killer in the White House. And, and you know, it's also you know, responsible for, for Teddy, and you know, he says stuff like her husband's legacy and the ability to lead the country in the future. You know, all this like hangs in the balance. So they can't let this get out. Then a uh, vice president comes. He goes to open the door, but Charlotte like stops him. She's at the door, and and he's like, she's like, oh, he's not here now, you know. And he's like, what are you doing here so late? And she's like, uh, looking for Henry's doll. He's like, have you seen it? So you know, you talk a little bit, then he you know, he leaves. Uh, then we see a couple movers, they, the secretary, the dead secretary's body is like in this table trunk thing, they carry her out. And Price says to Charlotte, he's like, sorry about the antique. And then, you know, they, they carry her out outside, they, they put this table thing w- trunk in this like moving van and they drive off. So they're going to take care of the body uh next day we see president and coop arrive at the office there's a new secretary there her name is lucy but apparently the president knows her he's like oh still no word from samantha so i guess that was the dead secretary's name then he's like you know don't get me wrong lucy he's like i'm grateful to have you here it's just not like her you know to not check in and you know he i think he tries calling her at home and gets like or tries calling her somewhere her cell phone or home and gets the answer machine at the coffee shop jake devon lexi and miss fairchild there rachel they're outside in the car they see grant go into coffee shop with his his uh, secret service so rachel tells them you know to be safe whatever and she gives like a meeting place if things go, go sideways i think they're going to like watergate hotel they enter um and it's like secret service guy the guy that caught grant smoking pot he's like oh we're closed and grant's like in the back he calls out. Like, he's like lexi he comes up like gives her a hug like they know each other and he like shakes Devin and Jake's hand. So Grant tells the Secret Service guy, he's like, oh, it's okay, you know, they're friends, IRL. And he's like, looks at them and he's like, okay. Grant um, said that he ordered everything because he didn't know what they wanted. So there's like a tray of like all these different like coffee teas and like shakes and you know, whatever different colored drinks. He says that he did that because, you know, he didn't know what they want and because he can't. Then he's like, have you ever been to DC before? It's the best city. And you can tell he's just like, so like fake, you know, just putting on this act. And Jake's like, oh, we're, you know, we're all Jersey born, born and raised. And then he says, Grant says that he's glad that he saw our video. He's like, I get so many tags a day, it's hard for any of them to stand out, you know? <laughs> and the Secret Service guy, so he's like standing there and he's, he kind of looks at him outside his eyes and he's like, you're such a dork. You know, he's, he's like, you're so full of it. <laughs> Then he's like, "I assume you you boys have TikTok." And Devin's like, "It's like, yeah, you know, uh you're a fan of Con- conspiratory Tory, right?" He's like, "I, you know, we we've, I follow her too." Then Grant's like, "Wait, this says that you don't follow me. I don't know how he knew that they weren't following him. It's like, how would he even know? He he doesn't know what they never said what their TikTok was, and there's there's no way whatever. He's like, "Wait, this says that you're not not following me," and and then. He, they just kind of uh, Devin and, Gr- and Jake just kind of look at him. They kind of chuckle. He's like, "You have to take out your phones and you know follow me." Like he's like, you know, like right now, <laughs> Secret Service says like you know three more minutes. We have to you know head out to whatever. Devin, he's like, "The bathroom's this way, right?" So he he excuses himself. Jake goes with them to, to give Lexi a chance to talk to him alone. So she's like, you know, I'm glad we got to do this. And she, and she says that, she's like, I dig your vibe. And he talks about her sister. And he's like, you know, I do anything I can to help. And she's like, thank you. And he's like, oh, that's a boner killer. He's like, we should you know, talk about something else. And she says something like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, this feels cool. You know, being there in person, whatever. And he says something. He's like, well, you know, we're just two hot people hanging out. It's like, oh, my gosh. And then she's like, you know, when can I see you again? Then he's like, you ever been to the White House? And she, like, smiles. Because, again it's that easy so the president and his wife are sitting at the dinner table or whatever their eating table dining room table then you know she's drinking he's like moping and then she's like she says that she heard from samantha's brother that she checked herself at the rehab and he's like she drinks and you know charlotte's like i i don't know she's like i thought it was rude to ask and he's like oh i never would have thought he's like you know I, sh- I should look at setting up a visit and she's like no you know he's, he said no visitors you know at least for the first few weeks and he's like first Teddy, now Samantha. It's like, I feel like I don't know the people working with us, you know, the people around us, you know, raising our kids. And then she's like, you know, can we just go to bed? You know, whatever. She's just, you know, trying to change the subject to you know, get out of there. Jake and Devin, so the timing seems weird. Cause so they're at the hotel. They're like talking and they're talking. because So they haven't consummated the, their relationship yet, if we want to say it like that and you know they're they're making out they're like oh yeah we're you know i think we're ready you know we're finally gonna do it you know they're they're like making out and everything talking about it and then they're you know jake has his shirt off and they go into bed and then lexi and rachel miss fairchild they walk in and then they like hop up whatever and jake puts his shirt back on and lexi's she's kind of you know smiling she's like uh i'm gonna go for a walk and you can see rachel's embarrassed too she's like me, me too At the White House, Grant's arguing with his mom. He's like, you can't forbid me from seeing my friends. And she's like, you don't even know them. He's like, yeah, I do. And she says something. You know, she looked into them. They're bad news. He's like, and he's like, they're they're orphans. They're not terrorists. And he complains about, you know, only having friends that are PR approved. And she's like, why don't you invite the mayor's son over? You know, he's in your class. And. He's like talking about all the kids at school that none of them ever have had anything happen to them that he felt like he had something in common with these kids, you know, because they get him. It's like he barely even talked to them. Then she's like, well, I guess I could meet, you know, their foster mother and talk about the protocols and, and stuff like that. And he, he gets excited. He like thanks her and he hugs her. And then she's like surprised. And he's like, whoa, he like pulls back. He's like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's cool. Because, you know, he's he's got to act out cool, too. Rachel talks to the boys. You know, she's like, "I know you love each other." She's like, "And I support you." And you know, she's talking about like important milestones, and they need to establish boundaries. And she's like, "This isn't a bathhouse." And Jake says, like, kind of deaf, he's like, "What's a bathhouse?" He's like, "I'll tell. I'll tell you later." And then she talks about like safe sex, and you know, because she has like some pages she clearly printed out or whatever. Because she's like, you know, even without a female involved, there are concerns. And Demons like, like, yeah, yeah, you know, we we know. Skip that one. <laughs> And she's like, fantastic. She like cross it off, and she's like, next there may be questions about positioning, topping and bottoming. And Devin's like, oh, we're we're good there. And Jake's like, we are. And Devin's like, oh, well we'll talk. And she's like, okay. <laughs> she's like, prepping for penetration, and then they like, oh whoa whoa that, that, you know they're all like, Let, let's stop. And then she's like why don't I give you this list and you can go over them on your own? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. And she's like, you know, please come to me if you have any questions about and stuff like that. And Jake says like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll wait until, you know, you're gone for more than 10 minutes next time. And she's like, all a parent can ask for. And then she's like, Jake, your shirt's on inside out. <laughs> Jake, Devin and Lexi are, are talking like some school stuff. And, you know, Lexi doesn't care. She can't focus because they're like, you know, Miss Fairchild, want, you know, she wants us to do this, whatever. And then I think they... they I missed this. I don't know how I missed this, but I think there's going to be like a, a Halloween gal at the White House or something like that. Like, I don't know if it's Grant's party or if it's a parent's thing or something like that because they talk about how they, they can't bring weapons, but then they're talking about like making outfits. So, you know, Jake's good at sewing and all stuff. So, but they're in the hotel room and he's busted out of the sewing machine. And it's like, I don't think they went back home. I think they're still... I could be wrong. Maybe they... Because I, I don't know how far. If they're in Jersey... I don't know how far they are from from there, but you know they're they're going to make costumes apparently to go into the White House and maybe make weapons in the costume somehow. Um, oh no, because they must still be at the hotel because then Rachel goes to the White House to meet with Charlotte, and you know she says that you know the kids have suffered greatly, but instead of closing themselves off, they become more compassionate and sensitive, and, and they're very loyal. And she just wishes that she had taken them in earlier. Charlotte's phone vibrates. It's Price. He says that so she's like, oh, excuse me, what so she goes to talk to him. So he says, like that the angle at a shop for Teddy was at such a weird low angle or something like that. He's like, so that means we're dealing with a professional, you know, someone very dangerous. Rachel's like waiting in a room alone. And she like, you know, she's kind of like looking around, you know, she's not really snooping or anything. But then she goes, she sits in this other chair, and she's just kind of like hanging out, like looking at everything. And you can see there's this flag behind her. This is the part that I was like, no. It's like moving a little bit. She's staring at this painting across from her and then the flag gets draped over her face and Chucky's, he's like, Oh, I just couldn't resist making those kids orphans one more time. So somehow the flag is wrapped so tightly. So he gets it around her and then he was able to like twist it around. So it's like completely around her, her, her face. And she, you know, he's standing like on the back of her neck, like and her on her back and, and whatever, you know, holding it tighter and she goes down. So it's like, so how tight is, or how thick is this flag that if this is going to choke her? Because I don't think it's, it was necessarily like choking her neck. I mean, it could be because it was a little twisted and then he's trying to put all his weight. But it's like, he's he's a little doll. He weighs a couple pounds, if that, because, you know, Henry carries him around all the time. So I just, and, you know, the other question is like, how strong is Chucky for him to do this? Because she should, if it's just a doll twisting this she should be able to just like shake her head and knock him off slam his head back against something we've had some interesting deaths in this you know they weren't the third season here there's been a lot of deaths this this one was very disappointing because when she goes down i'm like is she dead or she passed out did they actually kill the kids foster parents because if they kill them where are the kids going to go after this because at least with this they had a way a realistic way you know to stay somewhere Because, you know, they can't live on their own. They're much too young. They can't afford to live on. They have no source of income. So it's like you take away to one. And because she knew what was going on, she knew about Chucky. So that kind of allowed them to have a place to be together versus, you know, going to that boarding school place. But then so Chucky's like three down, three to go. So I guess she's really dead. Well, she is dead because you see her later. So Charlotte yells at, at Price that, you know, he's no closer to catching the killer. He promised her results, and she agreed to go along with this. And he's like, he says that he's, he doesn't think he talked her into going along with anything. And he talks about her husband's legacy, and she's like, well, my family's life is in danger. You know, the killer's still out there. You know, you need to find him. She's about to leave, and then the phone rings. So he answers it, and he's like, it's, it's for you. So she takes the phone. It's Chucky calling since you like cleaning up after me, I thought I'd leave you a fresh one. Wrapped it up nice and pretty too, just like a Christmas morning. <laughs> so Charlotte and Price, they enter the room. They see Rachel's body. Chucky's like hiding in a heating vent. It's like it's like a, you know, one of those big square bent things. Price says, he's like, the murder weapon was a flag. And he's like, the, the killer also knows that we're covering things up. And she's like, no, 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 like, this is over. And she's like, I'm calling the police. And he pulls out a manila envelope. It's like, he just happens to have his manila envelope in his inside pocket. And it was a big envelope. He's like, I wouldn't do that. And she's like, what is this? So he hands it to her. There's like photos in there. He's like, I didn't vote for your husband. Not that I don't think he's an honorable man. So there's photos of the president making out with some woman in a car is what it looked like. He's like, but his platform transparency. He's like, you know, there are things that you know, he would die to protect his country, you know, over, he's like, America's built on secrets. He's like, the presidency would be over before it even began. And, you know, he's like, I'd hate to think how it would affect your boys. And he says, he knows what, you know, the president stands for. He thinks that that's worth protecting. So even though he didn't vote for him, he kind of, he's like, this is a good guy. And he's like, then he's like, I hope that rug wasn't an antique because they're gonna have to wrap her up in a rug. Which is weird. So if they're talking about, like, full transparency, all this stuff, but then the, the president's having an affair at some point. I don't know if it's current or... I don't know. So the president's working in his office, and the door kind of creaks open. He, like, looks, but there's no one there. So he, he gets up to check it out. Back at the hotel, Jake says that, you know, Rachel, Ms. Fee, whatever, should have been back by now. Lexi's like, you keep saying that, you know, and then she's going to text Grant now. He responds saying that their guardian met, whatever, and they're going to be invited. So I guess, this, again, this Halloween thing, whatever. Then their phones go off. And Jake says, he's like, oh, it's her. But it's Chucky on, on the phone. So he must have taken her phone, I guess. And Lexi's like, we're going to get you. And he's like, no. He's like, I'm waiting for you. He says that, he's like, I think this is going to be the bloodiest Halloween. And that's where it ends. I guess we'll see. I mean, we're only in the second episode. And already, I, I, don't, I don't know when they're going to, yeah, I don't know. So it just, this, something about this episode, the pacing, it almost feels like, it's, is this like an abbreviated season? It's like the fact that they killed this, you know, their guardian already just seems weird. And I don't know when they're going to meet, when's this party, you know, is it next episode or is it going to be a couple episodes? But it just, I don't know, it seemed kind of weird. And how Chucky's just like tipping his cards, you know, so so quickly. But, you know, what is he here, I guess. So that was, that was Chucky's. Yeah, Hopefully, it didn't, I, I don't know. I, I really like the show, but I was just a little let down with with this one. Okay, Gen V, uh, sort of season one, episode one. Uh, I, I don't even know if... if I mean, I, I shouldn't do a recap on this because I wasn't able to watch the whole episode. And I don't remember... I don't even know if I got halfway through... Uh, yeah, because you know I was planning on finishing the first episode and watching the second one on Friday, but that's when I had no internet. So I I just don't know how I feel about this. I I I enjoyed the boys, and you know I really liked the comic in the beginning, and then I kind of fell off of it, and. You know, I I think that the show is they've been doing a great job with the show. You know, the production, everything is fine. I do feel like sometimes it relies a little too much on the fact that we can go uber violence and uber swearing and uber profan uh, swearing profanity and uber sexual content and uber everything. Uh, sometimes it's just it's it's a bit extreme. So you know, there's there's a fine line between going full hardcore. To be more realistic, more real world, or more gritty, or whatever. But then sometimes I feel like when you go a little too far, it becomes a little not necessarily immature, but it's like okay, you know, it gets to be like too too potty mouth, whatever. That I don't know. Uh, You know, I I am enjoying it now. What about Gen V? So some of this is going to fall into like like oh why should I care? You know, we have new new characters. And you know it's 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 good to have new characters and you know to do a spin-off you know why not try to make a bigger world you know flesh things out so there there's all that but when we're going is like okay now we're we're going to college and my one fear was that there's going to be a lot of like college antics you know with superpowers and you know the fact that we can get away with a lot more we we didn't have a whole lot of that you know there's there's a you know little tiny hints here here or there but with this first episode, you know we we meet this this character Marie, and uh, you know we, we kind of see like when her powers first developed when when she was a kid. So like like I said, I I don't it doesn't really make sense for me to go through do a recap with this since I didn't watch the whole first episode. But you know we we see her her kind of tragic story like what happens and um, you know that that's something. I guess if if I'm gonna spoil something, since it's the first episode, is when her powers develop. It's it's a little violent, and it doesn't go well for members of her family. And that's not something that you would necessarily see like in X Men comics. You don't really see that so much. You know, when a mutant is, I mean, there, there. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure. There's been some mutants have had like tragic awakenings of their powers, but that's how our character starts off, and that's something that she must have to deal with, you know, for knowing that that's what she did. I'm, I'm assuming that on, on some degree, since I really don't know the character that well, since I haven't watched the f- four episodes that are out is, you know, she, she really wants to be a superhero, you know? So she, she, she's like living at a, um, you know, she's at the red river Institute. When it, this is one of the, the, the cool things about that, because we actually saw the red river Institute in. um, was a season? Was it season three? How many seasons did *The Boys* have to written? Have been three seasons? But it was, or was it two seasons? But there was an episode where Huey he visits the, the institute, and you know, so we, we see some stuff there. But she eventually, um, once she turns eighteen, she gets accepted to the the Godolkin University, and uh, some yes, where you know, some heroes go, and they they can train there, and you know, she wants she really wants to be a superhero. And, you know, when she, she goes there, you know, she meets her roommate who, you know, she can shrink. And she does these videos with, like, a, I think it's like a hamster or something like that. And then, you know, we meet someone. There's, <laughs> the, the, there's there's one hero, Golden Boy. His name's Luke. And apparently he's, like, really hot or something like that. Like, everyone's, like, like all... I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I'm not as a, a straight male dude, you know, I can't always, I can tell sometimes, you are like, oh, that, that's, that's, that guy is definitely a good looking guy. You know, the girls would, would like that. Or, and this, you know, not even all girls go for everything like that. But when you see this guy, like, I'm sure he's a good looking guy, but it, it the way they were kind of fawning over him when they're, you know, there's they're like this big, like, stadium, they're doing these training stuff and they're like, oh, there he is, golden boy. And it's like, He's good-looking guy, but is he that good-looking, or is it the fact that when he his powers up, his clothes like burns off, and you can see his his you know stuff? I don't know. But uh, he's supposed to be like like the next Homelander, you know. So we're you know we're we're meeting these other characters as well, and uh, then you know Marie, she gets her schedule. She doesn't get into um the professor's class uh which is tom clancy and she's really bummed about that and so where i left off if if you watch the episode is uh so she meets um golden boy his his friend um she ran into him there's this incident this this guy who was like on meth or something like that and um he invites her to like sneak out and go like hang out with them so that's like where I left off. So you know we're we're seeing this cast of characters. You know you got Golden Boy. You got his girlfriend. I think her name was Kate. You got Andre, his friend, who seems to be into Marie, and you know they they go to hang out. Oh, and then there's Jordan, who was uh, the TA for the professor. And, um, Jordan's power. I'm not really sure what, what, to think about Jordan's power. So when she goes to, she wants to talk to this professor Brink, Brinks, Brinkleman or whatever his name was, Tom Clancy. And then the TA's like, you know, it doesn't, it won't help to talk to him. You know, you, you were, didn't make the, the class. Just because I I make that decision, and she's like, "What? Why do you do that?" and and she's saying because of her background or this or that, whatever, she, and, and stuff like that. And then Tom Clancy comes out of his office and he's like, "Hey, Jordan!" And then he shoots her. He shoots his TA, but she's got powers. Right when she gets shot, she like turns into a boy, and like the bullet kind of like bounced off. And you know, then he, he holds up the like the, the smashed bullet. is like, "Oh, you got to get me a new shirt, whatever." so anyways when marie goes out to party with them meets the others like jordan's there too and, and jordan's still dude jordan and so you know we got these characters and we got her roommate i don't know if she's going to be pulled into it i mean she didn't go party with them because you know she wasn't invited but you know she told marie's like you got to go whatever and then you feel bad because like this is actually the last part i saw where you know she does these videos they uh, Emma, Emma, her roommate, Emma and Marie met some people during the day, like theater people, because that's supposed to be the other thing. Like, you know, maybe Marie's gonna be on, like, Dancing with the Stars type of thing. You know, it's these other sh- superhero opportunities type whatever. And there's this one guy that recognized Emma. They are like, oh, you do those videos, whatever. And she was a little embarrassed by that. And th- the guy said that, he, you know, he was a fan, but it's like, was he really? Because then... She's at, in in the dorm room, and she's looking at all these video or, or these comments on her videos. It's like "kill yourself," "lame," "you suck." Why do you make you know waste time making this trash? And then someone's like, "I think the hamster's cute." Um, She not so much, but it's just uh, it's just like it's so ridiculous that people take the time to do this. It's like why why do you have nothing better? Is like does that really make you feel better to to Trash on someone else, and it's like, well, what can you do? Are you really any better? Because you know, a lot of times when you see these comments, like on Instagram or whatever, uh, I never go down a rabbit hole or something like that. But you know, sometimes, sometimes it's just interesting to see what the comments are. Which you know they say you never should do that, but then some other people will, will check. You know, someone has some big nasty comment, whatever. Then they look at their profile. They're like, oh, you know, who are you when you're 32 followers and you know you're working at a at a clerk and you know you're receding hairline or you know. So it's like a lot. I I guess I've always thought that it's it's someone who is just not happy in their life, and they they feel that coming down on someone else kind of. Gives them a little sense of power, because you know, it always you always think that like the school bullies are getting beat or abused by their their father or whoever, and then by being a bully at school, that gives them a sense of power, and you know, so they can, um, whatever, not necessarily take out aggression on on others, but I feel like it's something like that. So whatever it's, it's just don't do it don't make negative comments don't be mean you know be positive if you got nothing positive don't say anything just say hey good job you know awesome you're putting yourself out there but then you know she gets a text from from the guy that you know he said that he's like hey you know we we met you know uh, today it's like hit me up here on hangout and i'm i'm kind of wondering it's like is this a setup or not or is he really you know so who knows but yeah so that um that's really all that I, I saw about it. You know, because when I watch these shows, I have to pay close attention, you know, so I, so I can remember all this stuff. And because, you know, the guy, the texter, his name is Liam. The, 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 he may never appear in the show again, but I know his name is Liam because when I'm watching, I have to pay super close attention. So a lot of times for me, it it, it makes it, and again, boohoo, poor Tony, it kind of makes it, like, work. And it's it's not as fun. So, you know, I, I will watch this show sometime but I just don't think I'm gonna be able to talk about in the podcast if this show would have came out like this week or actually not this week because of my internet fiasco but if it came out like next week or whatever I w- I would definitely talk about it especially since I've talked about the boys but it's getting to the p- the point now where I feel like it's it's just it's kind of too late and and I, I don't know um and even like you know ho- fall out house of usher I can't watch that it came out this weekend, and of course, Netflix drops all episodes at once. I guess let me know, and you know, I I, I say this all the time because you know I would love some feedback, and you know, I'm so thankful for you listeners. You know, if if you're listening this part right now, thank you. You know, it means a lot. But I don't get a lot of feedback. You know, every I, I get feedback every once in a while, like here or there, and and kind of in not directly, whatever. It's just kind of like like a passing comment about something, but. I, I think I'm gonna make the decision where I'm not gonna talk about Gen V this season unless you really really want me to. If you're like, hey, yeah, you're five episodes behind now or whatever, I still want to hear you know you you cover it because I just feel like when the show's out that if you care about the show, you're gonna rush out and watch it. And even though it's possible, maybe you, you know you're you have a big deadline of you know big project at work or at school. And then you're going to wait, you know, three weeks when you're done with that. And then just like binge some of the episodes or get caught up later or something like that. So I don't know. I, I feel like that when it shows out, people watch it. And, you know, people, who if you're going to watch it like five months later, it's like, wait, who are you? Why are you watching this five months later? But I'm sure people do that. So I, I don't know. But I, I feel like I feel like I've I've missed a window. I don't know. I, but I could be wrong. It seems like it's a good show. It's, you know, it's it's better than I thought so far, based off of a not even complete episode I was able to watch because of time and the internet. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, it it looks like that. You know, that the production is there, and I I do want to you know finish watching it, but maybe I just have to push that off. Let me know what you think. And now Loki season two episode two breaking Brad. At first, I was like, Breaking Brad? It's like, what the heck are you talking about here? So we'll find out. You'll find out if you haven't watched it, but I'm assuming you have. It starts off in London, uh, United Kingdom, where else? Uh, Sacred Timeline, 1977. So Mobius and Loki arrive through a time door. They're wearing tuxedos. Loki right away, he's like, "Sylvie's not here. And Mobius like, we just got here. And he's like, it doesn't feel right. And he's like, I know, but why? And he's like, it's too safe. It's not a war zone. It's not an apocalypse. It's not her style. And, you know, because last time we saw her was at McDonald's, which I could go for McDonald's right now. And uh, Moby's like, maybe she's she's changing tack. You know, we got a hit on a t- temp pad. It belonged to Hunter X five before it went dark. And he's like, if the tempad went dark, then she found him first. He then Moby's like, you said you want to find Sylvie with Doc's. Doc's is that general. And X5 not responding. This is our only lead. So they go to this theater, and there's like a sign, the poster, and the marquee, whatever, or the marquee says like, Brad Wolf, Zaniac. There's like this poster or something. So this dude gets out of this fancy car. uh, There's, you know, at the red carpet, crowd cheers for him. And then Moby's like, X5's an actor now? Or he's undercover. And Loki's like looks pretty real to me and he's like schmoozing with people in the lobby everyone you know everyone's all dressed up and he's like oh how's the kids how are you and his reporter asks him you know how does it feel about his his meteoric rise to fame he's like well i don't know how i feel but i look pretty darn good he's like look at me and stuff like that others ask him questions and then um Mobius you know it, it kind of sh- comes up to him he's like hey will there be a zaniac 2 you know a sequel for the fans and he looks him over. He's like, Mobius, whoa! And gives him a hug. He's like, Hey, I used to work with him. And he's like, Nice to Like, nice to see you haven't forgotten about the little people. And he's like, Yeah, well, you know, we'll catch up later. He goes to leave, but then like Loki's kind of like standing in his way, and Mo- Mobius kind of grabs his arms. And he's like, What are you doing down here? And you know, he says that uh, everything's great. You know, he's actually, you know, he's glad to see them both. He's like, I need to catch you guys up on what's going on here, but you know, we should have a drink first. You know, Mobius like oh surprise me whatever and Loki's like I'm fine and X 5s like I'll get whiskeys you know for all Mobius tells Loki that he's like it's okay to have a drink down here but, you know we're still working Loki's like is he running now and Mo- Mobius like yeah he's running so they split up to go after him X five goes out in an alley and he he takes out a a temp pad and you hear like some woman call, call out it's like oh my god it's Brad Wolf can I get your autograph. And he, like, kind of stops, turns around. He's like, anything for a fan. And he's like, hey, hey. So it's uh, B-15, the, the hunter B-15, the you know, the other one. And she starts, like, hitting him. She gets uh, the... I think she she got the tempad pad from, from him. But he's, he takes off. Mobius runs after him. They go down, like, the street, you know, bump into a couple people. They go into this, like, other alley, whatever. And then he's like, come on, Mobius. He's like, you're going to ruin my life here. He's like, your life here? And then... Uh, x5 gets hit by this green blast goes flying down like some stairs so it's loki obviously then uh he walks up to the top of the stairs like still glad we're here so x5 gets up starts running again so loki goes down the stairs mobius is falling they kind of twist and turn you know different alleys and the tunnels and stuff like that and then x5 hits like a dead end at this locked gate then he's like or loki's like come on x5 did you really think you could outrun me And then he turns, and he has, like, some device that makes him, like, start to flicker. He's like, yeah, and he, like, disappears. So he kind of, like, teleported on there. He appears in this other alley, starts running again. Then he kind of comes across this, like, group of people, like, all standing about in the street. And one's like, oi, like, where's the rude boy off to? And, you know, he's like, where's the fancy lad going to then? And he's like, did you lose your tickets to the opera? And he kind of gets surrounded. And He's like, all right. He's like, you know, let's just hold up a second. Then he grabs a metal pipe and starts, like, swinging. It. He's like, back off. Hey, back off. And one guy, like, walks up to him and, you know, with his arms out. And then he, he's like, oh, you know, you're the tough guy, huh? He swings at him, but then the pipe goes through him with, like, a green flicker. And Loki's like, so unsophisticated, X5. So he's like, oh, of course. Throws on the pipe and loki's like you doing your own stunts now and then he's like oh real cute so then he takes out the device again but then loki makes it go like f- flying from his hand and x5 is like you quit with the magic and fight fair <laughs> even though he used like technology that's that's really fair he turns around and walks you know like around the people and everything and then he like almost loses his balance because then loki's like right there like in front of him now so he runs off to the side and and <laughs> and he's, he says something about, you know, it's not a fair fight or whatever. More running. Loki then is in front of him, and he skids to a stop. He turns, and then Loki is behind him. So now there's, there's three Lokis. And then, you know, he, he's kind of, like, up against, like, near a wall. So then you see Loki's shadows. They start to grow, like, Loki horns, like, from the helmet. And then the shadows grab him. Mobius catches up to, to them. And, you know, X5's like, I didn't do anything wrong. And Moby's like, yeah, but why'd you run? And then the Loki's like, a little over the top, don't you think, with all the shadow play? And then a different Loki, you know, the real one's like, I thought it was spot on, because Mobius was talking to the wrong one. So then the other two, you know, fake Lokis disappear. So now Brad, or X5, you know, he's brought back to the TVA, and it seems that he's manipulated his tempad. So B15 says, You will tell us if you found Sylvie when you had him, had time in holding and you know he's taken away. B fifteen suggested they have Obi check out the tempad, which seems like a little convenient that they need him again, you know, cause you know, Kihu Hwan whatever he's a you know great actor, but it's like, hmm, how could we possibly use him again? Oh, let's have him check out this tempad. So Mobius and Loki, they head down to go see him, and he's working on this device that can handle all the new time branches, because you know the the whole time structure is in, in danger. Mobius hands him Tempad, and he's he's like he's like yeah, I can definitely get into it. He's he's like, is it a higher priority than pre- preventing temporal meltdown? They they're all like, oh no no no, like stay focused on a, the temporal meltdown. So then um, Obi's like he says everything they need to know about Tempads. He wrote in a little book and he hands it t- to them with the, the Tempad. B fifteen asks Casey. So now we're starting to see more of Casey, which you know he's he's a he's a funny guy. Um, he asks if there's been any hits on Renslayer's temp pad. He starts whispering. He's like, well, you know, and she's like, why are you whispering? He's like, it's a secret mission, right? And B-15's like, Renslayer killed C-20, attempted to kill Mobius, threw me in time jail, and tried to take over TVA. Why would tracking her temp pad be a secret? And he's like, Oh, okay. He's like, no, no hits. He's like, with miss Minutes down, the analysts are running traces manually. And, you know, with all the extra branches, it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack. He's like, I d- he did find something else. Renslayer erased data from her temp pad, but he was able to, to piece together, you know, who, who sent the last message to her. Loki and Mobius are working on a temp pad in a book. They, they, they kind of like started taking apart and stuff like that. But they can't see, seem to figure it out. Then B-15 brings Casey over to tell him what he told her. He's like, Miss Minutes is helping Renslayer. Mobius is like, well, that explains the radio silence. And Loki's like, hang on. When I was in the past, I heard something. An old conversation between Renslayer and He Who Remains. They sounded like partners. And Mobius is like, where are they? You know, Renslayer and Miss Minutes. And Casey's like, not sure, but I'll keep searching. Then he sees the mess like Loki made with X5's Tempad, pad. And he what it what is it? And Loki says, the X5 says somehow it blocks TVA tracking. He's like, that's not what it does. He's like, have you read the TVA guidebook? And Moby's like, I mean, I haven't memorized it, but and he's like, uh-huh. He's like, it'll take me a while to analyze the modification, but it definitely doesn't look like, you know, it blocks any trackers. He's like, that's for sure. So then Loki wants to take another crack at Brad Wolf. You know, want to, you know, talk to him. Outside his cell, Mobius says that, you know, it's it's easy. You know, where's Docs? Where's Sylvie? And what did he do to, to that tempad? He's like, that's all we need to know. And he's like, of course, Brad knows us and knows our tactics, but that's what makes for an interesting chess match. He's like, okay, most of all, Brad's an a-hole, so don't let him get under your skin, all right? He's like, okay, Loki? He's like, what? They enter. And he's like, oh, welcome back. Why don't you go ahead and take this time call off and start treating me like someone who outranks you. And Loki's like, I don't work here. He's like, oh, that's a good point. You should stop talking. And Moby's like, hey, what were you doing down there in the sacred timeline? He's like, making movies. So I, th- was, I think B-15 was her. I, like, I think she's like, don't, you know, don't waste our time. Uh, X-5, and he's like, it's Brad, Bradley. And Loki's like, right, Brad, let's cut to the chase, shall we? What did you do to this temp pad? And he's like, it, it blocks your trackers. No, it doesn't. And then he asks, under whose authority is he being questioned? Because he's like, looking around, I, don't, I do not see anyone ranking high enough to make that call. And b 15s like, I don't need approval to detain a hunter that abandoned his post. He's like, oh, that's good. That, that's good. But weren't you the one blabbering on and on about how we all had lives in a timeline? Well, I went down and I got my life. What exactly are you mad at me about? And Loki's like, there are lives at stake. He's like, there are lives at stake? Oh, you've got some nerve. Everyone here knows what you're doing. You know, you're just trying to make up for all the terrible, awful poop that you've done in your life. You pathetic little man. And Mobius is like, okay, that's enough. And Loki's like, no, no, Mobius. No, it's, it's riveting. Keep going. I want to hear more. And Brad, he's like, good. See, everything you and Sylvie have ever done to try to help has only made it worse. Is that right? He's like, see, I've I've read your file. It's you. You're the problem. Every time you've ever found a you, problem is you think you're special, but you're not. So it doesn't matter what outfit you put on, play dress up, or what little lies you tell your friends, or even the little lies you tell yourself. At the end of the day, you just make everything worse. For for Mobius, for B fifteen, for your mother. It's like, ooh, you did not just go there. He's like, because that's what you do. You lose. You're a loser. And Moby's like, Loki? And he's like, stop trying to be a hero, man. You're a villain, and you're good at it. Do that. Loki chuckles, and he kind of whispers. He's like, thank you. Thank you, Brad, very much. I really am touch. You know, you're right. I have done some terrible, awful things. Yeah, maybe that is who I am. It's the real me, a loser. Always have been, always will be. And perhaps I've been holding something back. Moby's like, Loki, perhaps I've just been biding my time. Perhaps I've just been waiting for a moment like this so I can do terrible, awful things to you. So let's try this one more time. Where is Sylvie? And Brad's like, you're too obsessed with her. He needs therapy. Control your pet, Mobius. Moby's like, well, that got intense. He's like, hey, want to hear a good one? He's like, knock, knock. And Brad's like, who's there? Brad. Brad who? At showbiz. He's like, and I don't want that to happen to you. So play along with us. Answer our questions. And, and we'll get you back there so they don't forget about you. How's that sound? And Brad's like, you would do that? I will. You promise? I promise. Whew. You seen this, Mobius? You could be an actor. I'm not an actor. I'm an analyst. But thank you. He's like, you're not an analyst. I'm not a hunter. None of this is real. I mean, who are you on a timeline? Do you know? And he like shakes his head. Doesn't matter. I think it does matter because none of this is real. The TVA is not your real home. Mobius doesn't mean your real name. Well, it's what I answer to. Do you have any idea what kind of life you might have left behind? Who might be waiting for you back there? I mean, don't, do you care? I mean, you know they took us, you know they took our lives and you're still here. I mean, it's kind of weird, man. I mean, you need to wake up. I'm awake. No, you need to wake up, Mobius. I'm awake. And until you do, you're nothing. She's nothing. I don't know where to start with that, pointing to Loki. But you're nothing here, and until you wake up, you're a nowhere man, you silly little man. Mobius <laughs> slaps him. And Loki like goes and grabs him, and Brad just like holds his hands and he's like, whoa, Mobius, yes. And Loki takes him outside the cell. And he's like, What was that? Nothing. You okay? I'm fine. So they're like like walking through the halls. What happened back there? Nothing. Didn't seem like nothing. It's tactical. Seems like he got under your skin. Nope. Didn't get under my skin. He got under your skin. He's like, Mobius, are you alright? I've never seen you like this before. I told you I can play the heavy keys. And he's like, where are we? Look, he's like, I was following you. I was following you. Mobius, you were clearly ahead of me. And then he's like, How about a slice of pie? So he ended up in like some like cafeteria. And it's like empty. So they get like a little, you know, pie out of a the machine. They eat some key lime pie. And Moby's like, that's really good. And he's like, listen, that wasn't tactical. I lost it. Loki's like, it's okay. It happens. Sometimes the rage builds up and you just gotta let it out. Do you remember that time I was so angry with my father and my brother? I went down to Earth. I held the whole of New York City hostage with an alien army. Tried to use the Mind Stone and Tony Stark. It didn't work. So I threw him off the building. I mean, it wasn't tactical. I lost it. Sometimes our emotions get the better of us. You know X-Five. Obviously touched a nerve, right? You never wanted to visit your place in a timeline. He's like, look, that's the last thing I should be thinking about. Aren't you curious? Don't you want to see the life you were supposed to live before they kidnapped you and brought you into the TVA? Not really. Why? Because it's not my life. But it could have been. It isn't. This is. I'd like to thank the guy who kidnapped me and brought me here. Look, he's like, if you never look, you'll never know. Well, he says, the TVA is the only life I've ever known. I like it. You might want to look. What if there was something bad? Something bad I could handle. What if it was something good? You think I, I want to have that rattling around in my head? And he's like, you know, X5 isn't going to talk. X5 is going to talk. We just have to find a way in. What aren't we going to ask him next time? Look, X5 is a good hunter. Okay. Really good at his job. Does it really make sense that he could spend all that time down there and not find Sylvie? Loki said Sylvie spent her whole life hiding. He didn't find her. Yes, but maybe he got a little help from the tempad. Okay, if he found her and walked away, then she didn't know he found her. Think about it, if he found her, maybe you know, maybe he didn't turn her in because he wants to continue to live his best life on a timeline. He wants more time to be Brad Wolf. Now we just have to find a way to get him to admit it, Loki says. He's the only one who knows where Sylvie is. We just got to make him talk. Well, come on, you're the god of mischief. So then Obi walks into that one room, like by by, by the outside walkway where they went before, and the like computer voice looms. Status unstable. He has this like big device. He plugs into computer. The the lights kinda go dim for a moment and then the screen's like access tonight, so he can't get he can't hook it up. Loki enters the cell and he's like Hi He's like Hello Loki, ready for round two? Loki's like, I felt like I just need another session, you know? Get a few things off my chest. Oh, gonna try to hardball tactics this time. Ah, something like that. And he's like, Okay. He hears the door open again and looks. Mobius is wheeling in this like huge device and Brad's like Where's B-15? And Mobius like, she's not going to be attending this session. And Brad's like, oh, I get it. You come in here without B-15 and I'm supposed to believe you're going to torture me, Mobius? Let's simplify everything. You have information that we need. You don't want to give it to us. So how do we find common ground? You are getting desperate. And Loki's like, you are not wrong. Mobius says, we're getting desperate and I'll be honest with you. We're down to our last option. Loki's like, and your last chance. And Brad's like, cute. Which one of you came up with this script? And Mobius like, because you're a tough nut to crack. You left us no choice but to, to kind of rap. And Loki's like, Mobius, controller. And uh, Brad scoffs. He's like, right, okay. Well, we, we can't start the festivities without that little baby. He's like, stand by. They leave the device and they walk out. But Loki actually closes the door after Mobius leaves and like And Moby's like, hey, open up. Loki's like, turns out there is actually one other option. And Moby's like, no, no, hey. And Loki says, you sniffed us out, Brad. And I knew you would because you're a clever chap. So guess what? I wrote a little script of my own. Moby's like, Loki, this isn't right. Open up. And Brad's like, that thing doesn't work without the controller, though. So what are you going to do? Loki pulls something out of his back pocket. This one. We're going to have a little Q&A. Did you find Sylvie? And if you did, where is she? Simple question, really. But doesn't mean we can't enjoy ourselves as we go along. And Brad's like, "Mm, you almost got me. You have no idea how to work that thing. I'm not trying to be a hero, Brad. I'm a villain, remember? And you hear Mobius like, no, Loki. This isn't the kind of mischief I was talking about. So Loki goes to the machine. He gets it started. And Brad's like, oh, look at that. Uh, then he's like, um, earlier I said some really hurtful things and I brought up, you know, your mother and I'm really sorry about that. Uh, Mobius, Hey, Hey, get in here. It's locked, Brad. It's locked. Uh, you need to put that down. That's a, you, you don't know what you're doing with that. What does this one do? He hits a button and like, there's this, like this, I think it was like a table and it gets, um, surrounded by like this energy cube box and it like shrinks down. And Loki chuckles, oh, sorry, could have hurt yourself there. And Brad's like, hey, hey, don't don't touch random buttons on on that, okay? Mobius, get in here. He's like, you could have killed me with that. Could I? Then Loki hits the switch, and the cube envelops Brad. He's like, this is exciting. And he's like, turn it off. How about this? He hits a, a button, and it kind of shrinks in half. He, he's like, okay, okay, all right, uh, look, look. I don't know where docs and the others are. Okay. I, 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 I don't know. And Loki's like, I don't know if you know this, but I've done some terrible, awful things. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you have, you're doing one now. Loki makes the box shrinks. you know, some more. So, you know, Brad is now crouching, you know, cause it's like half the size and he's like, I swear, I don't, I don't know where we are, Brad, you're so convincing. I want to believe you, but you're just such a good actor. He's like, I, I really don't know. I swear they did not tell me the plan. I know you're lying. Okay, okay, okay. I, I lied. I lied, okay? I was supposed to go look for Sylvie, but then I, I bailed, okay? So they told you to go after Sylvie and you bailed? Yeah. What's the penalty for a highly decorated field officer abandoning his mission? Uh. Well, because none of this is real. If none of this is real, then I guess you aren't either. And then the box starts slowly getting smaller and smaller. And Brad's like groaning. He's like, "I'll tell you where she is. She has a new life." And then Loki makes the box disappear, and Brad like falls on the floor. One thing, you said you bailed the mission. And he's like, "Yeah, but I found her first. She's on a branch." Mobius comes in. He's like, "See a little mischief." So B fifteen brings Casey down to the, that that loom room place to to help Obi, and but Obi. Doesn't seem to to be there, but um she can't. She can hear him, and he runs up the stairs. He's like, "We're all gonna die." Hey, nice to meet you. And he's like, "We're all gonna die," and she's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "The blast doors won't open," and uh Casey's like, "Have you tried to C twenty three bypass pathway?" Oh, that won't work. She's like, "Are you sure?" Of course, I wrote it, and then that kind of catches Casey off guard. He's like, "Your Boris? Yes. You wrote the TVA guidebook? You read it? Read it? I, I practically memorized it. Will you sign my copy? And and, he, and he's like, right next to your picture? Which is like, if it's pictures there, shouldn't he have recognized them? But b 15s like, hold on. You said we're all going to die? And he's like, oh, right. The containment doors are locked and only the person who designed it can open it with a live scan of his temporal aura. She's like, he who remains. And he's dead. So without Miss Minutes to help us override the lock, we're stuck. Then Casey's like, So we have to convince a rogue artificial intelligence to come back to work? Obi's like, whatever we're doing, we got to do it fast. The more those branches grow, the closer this thing comes to melting down. I'll build a device, but you need to find a way in or it won't matter. The time door opens at McDonald's in Broxton, Oklahoma, 1982. Mobius, Loki, and Brad step out and they're in the parking lot. Mobius like, Brad, I'm telling you right now, if you're wasting our time, you're going right back into gizmo. Would you like getting scrunched up in the cube? He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey. Okay, all right. Look, she's in there, all right? She's in there. So why don't you guys just head on in, and remember, I'm the one who brought you here. A deal's a deal, all right? So you go ahead. I'm going to head on back. And Moe's like, wait, wait, wait. Why are you so jumpy? It's making me nervous. I'm not jumpy. I'm not nervous. I I just don't want to be around a a variant who killed 400 of our coworkers. So I'm just going to, if you just open the door... And then Loki starts walking in. So Mobius goes up and he's like, what do you think? And Loki's like, if she's here, I have to find out what she knows. And I think, I think Loki says that he'll do the talking. So, you know, be ready. Inside, Loki sees her behind a register and she has like a smile on her face. Then she sees Loki, Mobius, and Brad. And then she gets like serious. Brad says to Mobius, is like, oh, it seems tense. He's like, well, you know, why don't we head back? And Mobius is like, no, it's like, I'm not going anywhere until I get some apple pie. Loki goes up to the counter. It's kind of awkward. He's finally like, hi. And she's like, hi. And she's like, listen, I haven't got all day. You going to order something or, or what? Can we talk? And she's like, my break's in five minutes. So she comes outside. She has like a drink and some sort of burger sandwich and like a styrofoam box. She's like, it's a short break, so talk fast. Uh, I know I'm the last person you want to see. Correct. I, uh, I haven't come here to make trouble. Then why are you here? Uh This is going to sound strange, but there's been a problem. It's complicated. I've been pulled through time, between the past and the present. I was in the past. Oh, just get to the point, Loki. Sylvie, I was in the future and I saw you. The TVA is in danger. And you were there. I need to know why. Oh, so you can see the future now. Cool. It's not something I chose. Look, As much as I'd love to see the TVA burnt to the ground, I have no intention of going back there. My life's here now, and I'm not running. I'm happy. Explain what I saw, then. I don't know. I don't care. It's the future. It's the future. It's going to happen. Is it? Really? Because that sounds a lot like the future's already been written, and we both know it It hasn't. Not anymore. I made sure of that. Enchant me. You can see what I saw. I don't want to see. I want nothing to do with this. I have no answers for you. If we don't work together, I can't guarantee how long this will be here. You have some nerve coming here. Nerve? TVA, bull poop. This this is bigger than the TVA. This is about everything. You like it here? You like this place? You've made a home? If what he who remains said is true, the TVA is the only defense. And if what I saw of you is true, then there's nothing that stands between this world and utter destruction. Without the TVA, all of this, everything is gone inside Mobius is enjoying his apple pie he has some like fries and and, like a shake or something he's like I thought you were setting us up for an ambush hell you were just setting us up for a great meal thank you and Brad's like what is happening right now it's like they're going over every detail of a relationship that's ever happened look it's complicated relationship okay there's a lot to unpack when you're basically in a relationship with yourself and I was like, I, I brought you to Sylvie. I held up my end of the bargain. And you you have to hold up your end. I will. And you get me back to the sacred timeline, like you said. Can we just talk for a second about how crazy life is? I mean, 10 minutes ago, you were screaming at me. You're nothing. And then I kind of freaked out and basically tortured you. And now, here we are, enjoying a meal like gentlemen. You slapped me in the face. I won't forget. But I got you a shake, okay? Look, just enjoy this. Tell me about Zaniac. What about it? I want to know about it. P- please. You don't care about my movie. Brad, I saw the poster. It looks scary. It's not. It's, it's not. It's not. It's not scary. It's elevated thriller. All right. It's cinema. Thank you very much. You can't see it. Get your own tickets. I'm not hooking you up. Not after this. I will. I will. Look, why don't we just go? It, 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 to get, get this to go. It packs up, right? You're like a broken record. It's like, get me back to the Sacred Timeline. And now it's just, get me out of here. Which is it? Is this a setup? Hey, hey, what's going on? And he's like, just drinks. Nothing. Outside, Sylvia says that she has to get back to work. And Loki's like, if he shows up again, his variants, what are you going to do? And she's like, kill him. Mobius and Brad walk out. Sorry to interrupt. I think Brad's got something he might want to get off his chest. And he's like, Zaniac's getting a sequel and you're both invited. And he's like, hey, we can wait all day. No, we can't. We need to talk about this back at the TVA. No, we can talk here, now. And Loki's like, now. And Bri's like, fine. If we stay here, we're all going to die. They're going to die. Orange shirt, this is lady walking by, she's going to die. Most importantly, we're all going to die. This is gone. He's pointing at McDonald's. Unless we, and Sylvie puts her hand, like, on his chest, shoves him back, like, against a car and, like, uses her powers to read him. And you hear, like, all this for Sylvie? I don't buy it. So it's like the TVA general docs, you know, when they're getting all the weapons and stuff like that. So she's like, they're going to bomb every branch. And Brad's like, yeah, including this one. Loki's like, where do we go? And um, she's like, I'll show you. And then her McDonald's outfit changes. to so like, her like greenish outfit at the TVA, it's like some woman's voice, like, Are we pruning timelines now? Then Casey's like, Targets are popping up all over the branches. And B15's like, We need to know where this attack is coming from. Time door opens, Brad comes like sliding out on his back. B15's like, Mobius, what's going on? Over to Calm, he's like, Docs was looking for Sylvie. She's going to prune all the new branches. And B15's like, She already is. Mobius, she's going to kill them all. Loki, Mobius, and Sylvie. They're like, um, they're somewhere. They're like kind of sneaking and like spying on the TVA in this other room. Mobius wonders, like, what are you doing with all those time doors? And Sylvie says, it looks like that they're um, connected to. There's like a bunch of temp pads like on this thing. And then he's like, maybe that's why Brad's was modified. And the other room, a male analyst says that they've pruned thirty percent of the branches. And, and then you know they're like, is Mobius on the ground yet? B, B- fifteen radios that they're killing billions. And she's like, take docs down now and Loki's like "Minutemen are carrying reset chargers." And Sylvie's like, "That's how they're bombing all the timelines at once. They're all connected to that control panel." And Mobius like, "That's our target." So Loki's like, "I'll distract him." And Mobius like, "Okay." Loki goes, he grabs like one soldier agent guy, like throws him another. Sylvie uses her power to send a blast at like this device that kind of sparks blows up. Then Doc's calls out, "Our mission's been compromised. Set off what you can." B-15 says that they have to stop all this. You know, can they disarm the charges? Casey says that it's possible if they c- can track them, but there's too many. And so he's like, I'm gonna call OB. Moby's Loki and Sylvie are fighting agents. They smash temp pads, all the stuff. doxy yells that there's too they're, they're too late. Sylvie holds out her, her hand to Loki and she's like, don't overthink it. So they they hold hands and then they send out this massive green blast that like knocks everyone down and like destroys a bunch of like tech. And then um then later, like their loyal loyalists are being rounded up. You know, everyone who didn't escape. B15 calls Mobius and says that he should come back. And then Mobius tells Loki that they need to go. Loki looks at Sylvie; she's just sitting, but she doesn't move. Back at the control room, uh, they walk in, and Sylvie actually does come in. She she follows Loki, goes through the time door. They walk up to B15, who's just kind of staring ahead at a display screen. And there's like hardly any timelines left. She's like, "Those are people. Those are lives." and even like sylvie looks kind of shocked then there's like a little beep in case he's like uh guys i just got a hit on run slayer's temp pad and they look on a screen loki goes over to sylvie he's like sylvie and she's like is this the best that you lot can do there was nothing we could do and she's like some defense the tva is a problem it's broken it's rotten She's like i'm going home if it's still there and loki's like please don't it's harder but she's gone to stay then he goes back to Mobius. He puts his hand like in his shoulder. Then we see outside McDonald's. Sylvia is like sitting on on her truck. A coworker, you know, kid comes up and asks if she's okay. You know, because he just want to check. And she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm good." And then um, he's like, "Do you think you'll be in tomorrow, though?" And she's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Cool, cool." Then she's like, "Jack, is your mom on her way to pick you up?" He's like, "Yeah, she'll be here. I'm good." And she's like, "Good night." He's like, "Bye bye." And then she's just like left there, and that's where it ends. So interesting episode uh i I liked it uh it, it's it's not what quite what I expected and there's something about seeing Loki you know being good and you know trying to to save things so it's it's just really weird you know we don't have any of the Jonathan Majors yet you know he who remains so it's um just just really interesting to see you know where this is gonna go so I, i'm I'm looking forward to the next episode and I like the first season, but I almost feel like I'm liking this more i I don't know maybe maybe I'm wrong but it's uh it's it's fun. All right, and now the movie feature, whether you like it or not, and I hope you do like it, is uh Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour. So this is the the movie, and so here's the thing, Rotten Tomatoes, still as I as I record this, it's at a hundred percent for from the the the, the critic scores, and audience score is a uh, ninety nine percent. You when it when it first. Was revealed. I think it was only like seven reviews, and I'm like, I'm sure there's going to be some some jerky critic who's going to be like, oh, Taylor Swift, blah blah blah, and it's going to you know purposely give it a bad review. But it's still holding off or holding up, and um, it's a it's a great movie. I mean, I have to say that, and obviously, I'm going to talk more about it in just just a bit. Um, looking at some other information before I get into it, it looks like um, so this is according to Deadline says near record opening day for October with 39 million 3 day is now 90 million to 109 million that that's crazy uh let's see AMC's calling a uh, 39 million that's the second biggest opening for October that's that's behind the Joker which was 39.3 let there be carnage was 37.4 so it's and it's playing at 3850 theaters yeah second biggest october that that i mean that's uh oppenheimer let's see did 43 million opening little mermaid did 38 so it's a it's 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 doing you know really well let's just put it but but that And then some people might be like, oh, well, ticket sales cost, you know, the tickets cost more. And yes, that's true. The reason tickets cost more, it's not a ploy to make more money. It's because, I think, I I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but Taylor Swift, her, her, her production, whatever, they're distributing the movie. You know, normally when movies are made they get distributed by Universal, Warner Brothers, Paramount, whatever. And it's like, you know, if you look back at the early days, like, you know, Marvel did like Iron Man, but Paramount distributed it. You know, Paramount didn't make the movie, but, you know, they put, you know, shared the cost to get it to theaters or whatever and all that stuff. So by Taylor, you know, had to put up the money to distribute it. And I forget how much it, that costs to do that. But to go along with that, is she's also, I'm pretty sure, I'm like 99% sure that she's giving a bigger percentage to theaters from ticket sales. Because back in the day, I remember, it used to be like theaters would only get, if they were lucky, like 10% of ticket sales. They get like almost nothing. That is why concession prices are so expensive, because theaters don't make anything off the movies. The longer a movie is in theaters then the percentage they get from ticket sales starts to get bigger, even though there's less tickets being sold. But it's to the theater's benefit for a theater, for a movie to last longer because they'll start making more money unless, you know, it's they're not going to keep a movie in theater for three months if there's only two people coming in because then it's, it's a waste of a space. Taylor is helping theaters out. You know, that, that that's great. And when I went, of course... I bought the plastic bucket for popcorn and a plastic cup, which, and it cost me twenty bucks, and it's just like holy crap! I just spent another twenty bucks on this, but normally when I buy pop- popcorn, it's, it's like twelve, thirteen dollars, and I got like this was I don't even know what size popcorn. There's like so much extra popcorn I brought home, and and I. Wanted to put it in a sealed container, and the one container I had wasn't. There's was still extra popcorn. I had to get another container because there's just so much popcorn, and then the, the, so much soda. But now I got this collectible cup and everything, and with that, I'm sure theaters are getting a, a good, you know, chunk off, off of... a selling those so this is good so not only i mean I, I always say like even with the i was like telling like students this or whatever a couple students that like she's helping the economy you know if you look at like how much she spent you know generated for the concerts because you know yeah she's making all this money off off the the tour you know herself but all the the vendors you know all the all the parking and you know people staying at hotels and traveling so you know it, it helps out like all around so I'm sure all the cities that have hosted her, they're like, you know, please come back again soon because you're, they're making so much money. And then you even have like all the little people outside selling bootleg stuff. You know, they're making money too off of it. So everyone's making money. And then now with, with the movies, you know, there was like, there's nothing really huge that was coming out in October. And this is pumping up the, the box office. And it, so she's doing a, a, lot, a lot of good stuff here. And, you know, along with everything else that she's done. But there's still a lot of people that just like, like oh, Taylor Swift sucks. But she's just such a good person. You know, she's done a lot of good stuff for people. And, you know, she doesn't do it for the publicity. She doesn't issue up press releases like, oh, yeah, I'm donating this or that. It's like when it came out that she's donating money to like food banks, you know, every city she plays. They didn't put out a press release. I mean, word got out. And I was like, I read it off. I, I found it from like ABC news where they're reporting that or something. I think it was ABC. And, you know, she's given out so much money, like for S- Santa Clara in California. It's like they could feed, I think it was like 500,000 people for a year. Cause there's like, you know, that, that many meals that they, they could provide with all that money. So she's doing a lot. And then of course, you know, she gave all her employees like bonuses and everything like that. So She's not like keeping all the money herself because what it, she doesn't need that much money. She's she's doing she's constantly doing good things, but of course people are constantly trying to find any negative things that they could do to say about her, you know, and and, and even if you look at like like <laughs> the, the the whole football stuff. So she's you know she's dating a football player now. Anytime she's at a game, it's about that. They're making it all about Taylor Swift, which it shouldn't be the case. But if it's getting more people tuning in, is that really a bad thing? Because then maybe more people will start following the team and other sports. and So you have all that. But let's talk about the movie itself. So as you're probably aware, because I talked about it a few episodes ago, my daughter and I went to see Taylor Swift live. We saw the Eras tour. And as, as we mentioned, it was such an amazing show. You know, I, I, I absolutely was not a Taylor fan from day one. It was a little, like, during when Red came out, um, you know, I I heard some of the songs. When she started switching from country to a little more, you know, pop, I was like, you know, this is kind of catchy. And then when 1989 first came out, you know, again, I wasn't, like, a super fan or anything like that. And, you know, when Shake It Off first came out, I am just like, what are you trying to say here? What was going on? But then the more I heard it, and I, I couldn't help, you know, it's just so catchy. And then, you know, hearing the rest of the album, I'm like, oh, this is not just, like, some pop song you know bubblegum pop or whatever there's actually like some layers to you know a lot of these songs and the lyrics and and you just look at the, the the lyrics the composition just the structure of the songs just everything like that it's just there there's a lot going on there but you know a lot of people are just like i don't like taylor swift and you know you don't have to but it's it's weird when when people say that they don't like her music her music has changed you know and that's that's the other thing about the Eras tour, you know, with each album there's almost like a different sound for each one and you know she even commented how she's been able to venture into the different, you know, genres and all that because people have allowed her to, you know, they they've let her. And I just think it's, you know, you you go from someone who was a country singer to singing and dancing and doing like some like kind of edgy stuff, you know, at, at times. So I I just think that that's really impressive that she's pushing herself and wanting to and able to do that versus you know band is like okay this is our sound we're gonna do the same stuff it could be good you know every single album after album after album but they just do the same thing and they you know, might try to tweak it but you know taylor's constantly doing different things and and i i think that that's 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 fascinating that that's cool so the, the concert itself was an amazing experience, and, and it just, it seemed like everyone was so happy. You know, the whole, like, the friendship bracelets, you know, as, as we're waiting in line to get concessions, you know, my, my daughter and I, we saw a lot of people, you know, with just bags of friendship bracelets. And I, I feel bad that, like, I missed out on this. Not that I, I don't know if I would have made any, because whatever. Um, it was a busy week leading up to it. I wasn't even home. You know, it was all the traveling uh but it was it was su- such a nice thing seeing just strangers that have this common bond of loving Taylor Swift's music exchanging these friendship bracelets with you know different messages you know songs or positive things like that and there's like people like like oh you know can i sign your shirt cuz you know people are like you know just wearing like white t-shirts and you know just people signing that whatever and of course, you know, there's other people like dressed up as a different eras and the costumes. And it's like, you don't get that at concerts. You know, people don't dress up as different album covers or whatever album tour outfits, genres and, you know, eras. So it's just it's it's weird how 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 into all of this that people are. I saw some TikToks about this. Now, the idea, you know, the the Taylor Nation like Instagram, you know, account run by her people or whoever, you know, they they kind of encourage the friendship bracelets and the singing and the dancing in the theaters. Um, theaters are, I believe, most some theaters are even like encouraging that. You know, they, I think they were told like what volume it should be played at. And, you know, they're going to kind of say, okay, you know, we will allow singing and dancing, even though normally you're supposed to be quiet in theaters. But I saw this one TikTok. I mean, it was, it was kind of scary. I mean, and it was just like screaming that is i think is a bit much i i would not be happy with that so i went um i was supposed to go on sunday i that's when i first got my ticket but then it was kind of like last minute they opened up like thursday night preview screening so i was like well maybe it would be better if i went thursday night cuz then you know it just makes it easier to re- you know i can record earlier or sometime i don't have to wait cuz if i went to sunday afternoon then coming home and then trying to record and edit and post and, when I went, there was like maybe a dozen people in the theater. And, you know, there's three. I think there was three screenings on Thursday. Maybe there's two. And it, and then I, f- I feel like, you know, because I, 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 Friday afternoon, I was looking at the other shows online. And they were like pretty much all sold out. So I think everyone already bought their tickets. And then so they didn't go Thursday because they already had their tickets. But my theater w- was quiet. People were watching it. And that's what I wanted. It's like I'm I'm actually there to listen to the live performance and it was good and but i will admit like after like a lot of these performances which are amazing there's times i I felt like i should be like clapping but i'm like no because this is just a movie you know we're not clapping during a movie and no one's so it it was really cool now seeing the the concert it's uh, the 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 film it you know like how does it compare to really being there you know they're two different things but the the good thing about the movie is you could see so much more you know there there's one thing you know just a special feeling of actually being there experiencing it being part of it hearing it there seeing a little tiny taylor off a stage you know because if you're off in a distance but man, this movie, those cameras, they were amazing. And I'm just like, how the heck are they doing this? In the old days, whenever something was filmed, you'd see you know some dude running around with a big camera on stage, you know, trying not to get in the way doing that. But you don't see that. But there's times you feel like you're actually on stage with Taylor. And it's like, how are they doing that? It's like right there, right in her face. And there's other times where you know she's dancing around or whatever and it's like she's looking right at the camera like she's singing right to it but it's like no she's singing to the entire stadium that's the other cool thing about this is if you've seen the way the stage is set up you know there, there's almost kind of like three stages with like walkways and it's like it's like three-fourths of a football um field so the, the nice thing about that is she's not just performing to like the front row of the stage. They actually go out all over and and you know sing at different places, so you're singing to everyone there. So it, it's just like really cool there was one point where you see kind of like a camera like, like off to the side there. Because at first I'm like, are they just kind of like floating, you know, like got the football cameras that float around all over there and they just zoom in. But there were some that were like off the the side of the stage because there's sometimes she's like moving around and she'll like twist her head and like look right at the camera and you do a little little smile or wink or something. And I'm like, how do they time that perfectly? And you're like, how's that work? Uh You know, it, it, there's one thing about choreography, but... You know, maybe she knew the camera was there, and that that's the thing. And I'm sure with the editing, you know, they're gonna edit, the, you know, the footage just right because you have like, you know, twenty five different. I don't even know how many cameras, but you know, you have to go through all that. And the other impressive thing is this was from the last U.S. tour, which um, the last show and you know the Los Angeles show. So they really like, you know, sped up. You know, did, did this editing like lightning fast to get everything you know going the other nice thing is about all the close up and and being there is you know you really get a sense and this is like the feeling and you know my daughter and I comment on on this is you know you can see how happy taylor is and i'm sure there's going to be some people who's like yeah because she's making billions of dollars off this of course she's happy it it goes more beyond that you know and there There's one thing about you know, acting or putting on you know a facade and all that. But I truly feel like she's she really does want to share her music. And you can see when she's appreciative of all the people, you know, just cheering for her and singing for her. I mean, it's and it's not just like an ego kick. You know, you can see that it because like w- when we saw her, it it looked like she was going to start crying. and, yeah, you can act, but, you know, she's she's a singer first. You know, she's a performer. You know, I, I don't know if she would have the acting skills to almost shed a tear on on demand. So, you know, you can see that it does really mean something to her. And, you know, you, yeah, well, there is the ego thing, but you got to be appreciative of these fans, that they're, they're, they love what you're doing, and that's got to be a good feeling. There are other times, you know, just seeing how happy, like, the backup singers are the dancers. There's a part where you see like two of the the backup singers kind of like look at each other and kind of smile. And was it like Hey, okay, we're filming this concert, we're gonna do this movie? Make sure you're really, you know, I, I don't think that that was the case because you know to capture that moment is, is just right there. And and I'm sure some people would be like, you're making so much money, you know, being an employee of Taylor Swift, of course they're happy. But no, you know, they're doing what they love. They must have a great boss. They have a kind bot, you know, being so generous. And I, I don't know. I mean, maybe she's really militant behind the scenes and we don't know. And they're just getting paid so much that they keep their mouth shut. I don't think that that's the case. But you just really feel like everyone wanted to be there. And just the, the performance is everything. And then the fact that, you know, so the, the movie was two hours and 48 minutes. The concert was three and a half hours. I mean, that is crazy. When you, you go to a live show, You're lucky if you get half that time. You're lucky if you get a ninety-minute show. You know, a lot of times bands might come on at nine and they're they're done by ten thirty. And you know, sometimes it's like a a, curfew thing. Like Taylor was supposed to be done at eleven, but she played till eleven thirty. So the fact that she performed for three and a half hours, nonstop, no intermission, doing costume changes, and you don't really get a good sense of it in the movie because. And the movie, it almost feels like it's edited, but it's like, boom. It's just like, you know, I don't know what sort of, you know, uh, Indy 500, sports car, whatever team she has, like, you know, like changing her costume. Because I don't think it's like tear away clothing because, you know, if you're moving and dancing around, you know, you want to risk, you know, wardrobe malfunction and all that. But the fact that she just changes costumes, like, boom, and then she's out there, and because, you know, there's sometimes you can see, you know, she's a little out of breath. And I I I would be like out of breath just watching the show for three and a half hours and then let alone running around dancing and, and doing all that. And there, there's something like almost infectious about when she smiles. You know, you, you can't help but like feel good about that. Or I, I really love when there's times where she kind of like skips on stage and because you know, skipping is kind of like juvenile, like childish and it's just happy So it was just really good, and just just all the song, and like when "Ready for It" came on, like you just feeling the seat vibrate. So it's like you should see this on a big, big screen, you know, and and with a good sound system. It was just, it was really something. So, is it better than the concert? Not really, but it's better because you just see a lot more. I mean, there is stuff that I didn't quite realize, you know, because even though stuff is being filmed for the big giant screens up on stage you know there you could see so much more here and it's just it was just just amazing um i don't think know if there's anything more to say i'm um, just but they they did a really good job with the editing and, and all this because you know i i would there there's there's no like behind the scenes or behind the backstage or it's just like concert and you know she does talk in between songs and says different stuff and um it, it was just it was really really good so now I, you know, I was tempted because um, so I'm recording this. It's, it's Saturday when I'm recording this. And, you know, my ticket was for Sunday. Uh, I, I'm tempted to go. But luckily I went Thursday because I'm supposed to hopefully have my internet, have someone come out to check if it's outside is it inside between 12 and 4 on Sunday. So I wouldn't have been able to do that. I'd have to be like, I can't. I take that appointment. I'm gonna need something during the week, which would be impossible because I have to work. So yeah, but you should definitely see it. it it's it's just it's just really good. And if you're not into Taylor, you know, I because I would say like even like a casual fan, if you like some of her songs, you'd enjoy the concert. You know, just seeing everything, just just the, the production and the stage and just the the graphics and just everything. I mean, if if you're just not into if you're like I only like. Hip hop music, or I only like hardcore punk, or whatever. Then yeah, maybe you're not gonna like it. But I, I think it's good to have a variety. I did have a, a brother of a friend that I've known since I was you know teeny tiny. You know when when he saw that I posted, he's like, he's like, oh, I'm gonna have to take your man card away from you. I'm like, really, dude? I was like, okay, you're. I didn't realize you were the president of the masculinity whatever. And just because that's just ridiculous to say that if you like this, you know, it's like, I I really enjoyed the Barbie movie. I don't think that questions my sexuality or my manliness in any way. That is just, that's just being narrow minded. That's just, just ridiculous. It's like, like, no. And with music, you know, who are my, my two favorite performers right now? Taylor Swift, Blink 182. That's all all I'm about right now. And two completely different, you know, genres and all that. And that's not the only type of music I listen to. You know, I listen to a lot of different things. It just seemed like it'd be kind of boring to only listen to one stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, if you only like punk music, yeah, go at it. Go, go to it. If you only like hip hop music, okay. You know, that that's that's your call. Uh, but I just like having a variety of different things because you, sometimes you're in a mood for different types of music. And I I, I don't think that there's necessarily you know, is there one better? There are some genres I definitely like more than others, but I would never say, like, oh, you like this? That means you have bad taste, or that means you're not a man. Or so, I mean, what you, okay, I'm sorry, you only want to watch a movie about like sweaty dudes on stage? Okay, it's just silly. Uh, just like what you like, that, that's all that matters. And, you know, what, what's the point of, of being negative? Even if you're trying to joke whatever so that that's fine and um i think this episode is going to be fine because that's it so i enjoyed the movie i enjoyed the show i enjoyed the music and i enjoy talking to you guys about all this so i hope you enjoyed this as well so big thanks to dave mcphail and andrew Logan because they are big supporters of the show you can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Uh, this week's probably going to be another um, X-Men to Hidden Years, so you can hear about, about that. I'll probably do an Off of My Mind soon. I know I keep saying that. I just need to figure out what I want to talk about. sure something will come up. If you can't commit to a monthly commitment, which is unfortunate, but I understand. You can also help out by going to coffee.com slash man from heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. And that is ko-fi.com slash g man from heck. Okay, so what is it gonna be next week? Um, Rick and Morty is starting back up, and I realize I haven't watched the last episode of Rick and Morty. I don't know if, if I'm gonna get into Rick and Morty. Um, not and again, it's not that I don't like it. I just don't know if there's um interest in it and covering that um i feel like something there's other stuff that's coming out you know little by little there's more stuff coming out the continental took such a big viewing time chunk out of my week so it'd be kind of nice not to so you know we got chucky and loki that might be the only shows there's I'm, i'm sure there's something else starting this week so we'll see Maybe I could, if I had time, which I'm probably not going to be able to. But maybe I could try to watch like an episode or two of *Fallout House of Usher*. Just I can comment on that. I don't, I won't be able to do the whole. Sh- I can't commit to the whole show because I feel like I'm already late since it's now the weekend's almost over and I haven't watched any of it. But we'll see. Um, next week's movie is going to be. <laughs> um, you better appreciate this, Mr. Scorsese. *Killers at a Flower Moon*. This is a three and a half hour movie. That's going to be a long, long movie. So I'm I'm probably, I'm not going to get home till like 10.30, like 10.30, 10.45 uh, on a Thursday night. We'll see. Um, I don't really know much about it. I just know like some of my students are, you know, one, one of my, the, I, think, I don't know if it's the eighth graders are, are reading the book. And one was like, don't go see the movie. Um, they they weren't a fan of the book so far, whatever they're at. So we'll see. I, I'm I'm curious to, to see it. You know, you know, Martin Scorsese is brilliant. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio. I forget who else is it? I I really don't know much about it. So you'll hear about that. And um, yeah, maybe you know, maybe be a little. Let me catch my breath, because uh, there's there's so much stuff coming out. Thank goodness. But we'll see. So that is going to be it for this week. I hope you're doing well. Hope your 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 week is going a little better than mine with all the technical issues and all that. Oh, but we just we just roll with the punches, do what we can. I appreciate you being here. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're taking care of yourself. I hope you remember, be good to each other.